Hello everyone, and welcome to This Nintendo Life, episode 237! My name is NBZ, and I'm glad for once that my room is a hotbox, because fuck me, it's cold outside! <laughs> I just looked out the window, and it's all frosted everywhere, um, I know in Scotland it's been, it's been full on. We've got snow again, we've got a second... A second smattering of snow already. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, not great in this time when, you know, energy prices are fucking rising and, you know, you can't really have the heating on that much because, Jesus Christ, it's cold. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, again, I'm f- for once happy that this room, for whatever freak reason, is like the hottest place on Earth. Um, I'm sure it doesn't help that I've got a PC in here. You do you do have a heater, you know, it's called yeah. your ridiculous PC. Uh-huh, I was going to say, been, yeah. Um, you've been burning that fuel yeah, all year yeah. round. <laughs> I should so. just be, you know, I just need to boot up uh, Plague Tale Requiem and just get something with high graphical fidelity to just okay. burn that uh, that th- uh, 3080 and uh, give me some heat pumping out into this room. So um, I'm sure I'll do some of that uh, yeah. you know, today or, or later or whenever. Val- Valley Jr. saw his first snow. Lovely. That's he fun. Wasn't, he, he was like... He looked. He looked a bit disturbed. About yeah. Was it. he confused by it? Did you go outside? Did you try and like open the window and put his hand? Or is that a bit dangerous with the well, cold? Well, he, he went out in his pram in it, but we didn't like roll him around in it. Okay. He yeah. Can't, he can't. That's what walk you need to yet. do. You need to roll. You need to turn him into a snowman. You know, get yeah, the real exactly. experience. Uh, no, that is fun. I, I I feel like all. It's so weird, isn't it? Because all these brand new experiences and like. Yeah. Will, will you ever remember that? I don't. I don't remember the first time I saw snow, you know. Um, it's also really but... rare, and I would argue, in the last long time to get, like, snow in December. It's normally, yeah. like, a, a February-March thing. Right, February's, like, Scotland. the super cold time. Um, yeah. There have been rare occasions. I remember there was one December when we were going to drive down to London, and we had to wait because the snow was so ridiculous oh, that God. we couldn't go down. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I like snow in December because it's the, you're in the mood, you know? Yes. Christmas is the mood for snow. It's a bit so. depressing when it comes in the start of March. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, I thought spring was coming. yeah i thought we were done with this now but i guess not i guess not um anyway hello folks we're here for the last episode of the year uh, it's a year. big one uh, it's been hell of a year and um we are going to obviously be talking about a bunch of stuff on today's show um Bally, do you want to tell everyone what it's going to include yes. Uh, for the first segment, we're going to be talking about the games that we have been playing. For the second segment, we've got all the games that listeners have been playing throughout yes. the entire year. That's both Game of the Year lists and Go TT Dakota lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got lots of those in. Um, and obviously with our recording, it worked out that, you know, we've got a lot more Go TT Dakota sure. lists in this episode, but that's just how it worked out. And then for the third segment, we are going to make a combined list for the official TNL Top 10 Games of 2022 and that's a combined list of 10 nintendo games or games on nintendo platforms in the year 2022 which in this case is just the switch right uh, just the switch. Know. we used to say nintendo platforms because they had multiple platforms <laughs> at a point um now not anymore but uh, anyway uh, definitely definitely worth doing uh so uh let's get into it bally uh not too much that we've been playing but something that did drop recently this week was the mario kart dlc wave 3 i believe it is yeah. um, the dlc so we've got eight new tracks and uh yeah we spent some time playing them we played with the community which was good fun and um, people hopping in and, and doing a bit of a mini tournament thing which was great and um yeah i i feel like mario kart is just going to be one of those things that i i probably don't play regularly but every time they drop these dlc um i will jump in so yeah, it, yeah. it's just that it's like smash brothers where you just check in every few months you got this your new character your new your new courses right and it's, it's a it's a it's still a great time i mean and and quote mbz while we were playing he's like 
You know, this is probably the best Mario Kart. And mm-hmm. I was like, right, right, I'm qu- quoting you on that, writing I it down. I did say like... that, I did say that, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think this is the strongest wave yet. I really, really like, I, I mean, I like the Paris course and the Tokyo course, they're fine. I think the London and Berlin courses in particular, maybe, maybe I just think those cities have more landmarks, and I certainly know London the best out of the bunch of them. But like, Well, we were actually interrogating for the first time, like, can we identify these cities as Tokyo or London or whatever? And, like, I hadn't really paid that much attention while I was driving through them, but there are, like, things that you can point out from those tracks that you're like, oh, yeah, this yeah, is recognisable. They've you know? definitely got, like, the area by Tower of London, they've got, like, Covent Garden, mm. Westminster, Buckingham Palace, like, Green Park, uh, like, all these the london eye like these things that they really make a, a point of um and then likewise in berlin they've got they've got the berlin wall but then there's gaps in the berlin wall huh. that have thwomps in them which is just yes. hilarious yeah um and yeah all all the like the brandenburg gate and all this stuff and it's not just the landmarks that's just plonked in there is actual like road structure and the way that certain landmarks relate to each other that i think is is vaguely accurate um which makes it feel a little more a little more like realistic which mm-hmm. is quite nice um but also, also this wave has like maple tree weight which is a fantastic yes. course um and then really and like alpen pass which is like the... yeah for me the three because obviously i'm a big mario kart 7 fan so the 3ds courses are always going to speak to me so alpine yeah. pass also known inferiorly as rock rock mountain uh for us right. people um is one of the best ones and um the rainbow road is also a 3ds yeah. uh, one and they've turned really again they've turned like a looping rainbow road track into just a three point point to point track as it were um mm-hmm. so they, they turn like one lap into a, one massive lap and yes it's a it's a tricky course like you were saying that's a tricky a tricky rainbow road it um, is a really hard one yeah I, I feel like rainbow roads where you don't have any guardrails are always going to be a bit <laughs> crazy and I feel like some of them do. Like, there's uh, there's certain... I remember on the GameCube one, there's that twisting spiral that you go down near the end that they do have yes. guardrails on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, certain ones... I don't know. What Do you have in mind what you think is the hardest um, rainbow road of, across the entire series? In terms of just the number of times you fall off, I would give it to GameCube. Wow. Um, but in terms of, like, this, this course is doing things, I'd actually go Wii. Ooh, okay. Um, yeah, I yeah. think so. Because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. um, I think most of N64 has a guardrail. I, I think, I, I agree with you, actually, 3DS is pretty hard, and this remake yeah. is harder, I'd argue. Well, they've got the kind of wobbles, don't they, for, like, jumping yeah. and doing those little extra dashes off of yeah. those. Yeah, and um, the, sure. the Super Nintendo one, the original and the remake are both yes. pretty challenging and it's very I do really like the Super Nintendo I, one though because the like cornering is so much fun on that one. Yeah, um, it's really cool. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then again they've made they've like revamped a Game Boy Advance course. This one's one of the the boardwalk courses which yes. I forgot the name of it but it looks uh, it's called Boo Lake which Boo is Lake. I really like this really one actually cool. I, I think it's great and it's got underwater segments yeah. and stuff and yeah I think it has again nice I think one of the things to me that stood out is those older there's all the games, I think we maybe talked about this before, they kind of had to define their courses by how interesting the turning was because there mm. wasn't a lot else going on. And so I do find that some of the newer courses are less interesting from a turning perspective and are more bombastic with the flavor and what's going on in the kind of like background versus these older ones where 
you know the design of the course was much more fun to drive around i found so yeah. um, boo lake is definitely one of those and it has like really nice segments it also feels really short i think because it's yes. a gba track like it has a brevity to it that's actually super refreshing and you're like oh i i get through laps of this really quickly um which i think is great so yeah that's that's definitely a standout for me and we've got like the christmas themed track which is I don't think Mario Kart's ever had just a proper Christmas-themed track. No. Uh, we've got, like, all these snowy tracks and winter courses, which are great, but, like, right. having one that's actually decorated with uh, all the Christmas decorations, mm-hmm. I don't know, nutcrackers. I mean, it's a good choice to come for this wave, right? Deliberately timing it. Yeah, with, really you know, nice. December. Um, um, I'm a yeah. big guy. Yeah, seasonal things, at the playing seasonal things at the right time of year is always good fun. Um, it's great. You know, Pentiment actually has uh, Christmas stuff leading up to it. So I was like, oh, I'm glad I'm playing Pentiment now because yes. like there's there's a bunch of that stuff happening. So. Also, Nintendo did leave this very late for Maple Tree Away, which is the most autumnal um, track imaginable. Yeah, We're exactly. Playing it in, the, in winter now, but uh, never mind. You yeah, well, one thing I did notice about Maple Tree Way. I don't think visually, like, the textures on the track look that good to me. It feels like they haven't done as great a job, like, up that one. Um, no, and I'm not I sure agree. what it is. It's like the the tree bark when you're kind of, like, sliding on the branches. It doesn't pop in the way that I think a lot of these other tracks do, which I think is a little disappointing from a visual standpoint. And I don't know. I know that people have been talking about the visual differences between the new DLC tracks and the other tracks in the game. But I think this is the first time it really stood out to me as, like, this kind of feels a bit inferior and i don't know you know what different techniques they're using or whatever but it ju- it just doesn't quite hit in the same way not to say that the track is bad obviously maple tree way is a great fun track it's just visually i don't think it quite um holds up unfortunately yeah i think that all the tracks are kind of put into categories of how much work is put into them and mm. for uh, what's weird is that say two tracks on the 3ds so say alpen pass and the rainbow road i think a lot more work went into rainbow road and right now, Alpen Pass looks fine, but I'd, I'd, get, I'd class it similar category to Maple Tree Way, where it's a, it feels a lot more like a copy and paste job in the sense. Yeah. Of, and when you look at, the, like you said, those textures, it's just like, it's a very flat, one flat tone of, say, green for the mm-hmm. entirety of all this grass in the yeah. track. Um, and obviously you can make comparison with like the original tracks in Marikar 8, and they are just like stunning in comparison. Oh but, my God. Um, even it's just still, the original DLC tracks in Mario Kart 8 are just so fucking... Like, we played some of the F-Zero one. I'm like, God damn, why does yeah. this look so good? It's really just, good. like, outstanding stuff. Um, and um, so the one uh, that I didn't love when I played it in on the DS was Peach Gardens, um, which has been, uh, you know, brought back here. And I think they've done an interesting thing with Peach Gardens where on the last lap, and this fucked me up the first time I played it, they just decide to reverse the track on the last <laughs> lap for some reason. It's weird because you're starting the third lap and you are you, you kind of do like, I don't know, an eighth or like a ninth of yes. the lap. And yeah. then it just turns the opposite direction and you start going back the other way. Yeah, it's really weird. And I don't know, I, 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 I want to get a general temperature check, Bally, because this seems like something that the mobile game has done a lot, which is mid-track just changing the entire route how do you feel about it as a concept because mm. i i don't know that i like it very much if i'm honest you know um i don't mind the route changing i i don't personally like the way that it seems to almost change randomly when it's one of the city courses that's yeah. that's where my that's my red line i'd say i my personal preference would be something like peach gardens where right you're doing the two laps as normal and then the final lap they change the route and it's the same every single time like I, yeah i think the city ones on console are the same every time i but think just, they are it feels so random because there's so many different routes that it just feels a bit crazy and yeah 
ultimately they it means that there's off you are often driving into oncoming traffic and mm-hmm. the only time this is a really interesting stat is the only time they've ever done that on a course before is luigi's circuit on gamecube where it's a it's a big oval that loops back on itself and here's the fun thing on 50 cc on that track they put a wall down the middle and you can't you can't crash into the opposing traffic but then on 100 and 150 cc they remove the wall up the middle and then on that big long straight you can actually hit people on in oncoming traffic yeah 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 yeah. it's interesting and i think that was kind of done in a way where there's a lot more emphasis on like bumping the neighboring carts in double dash compared to the other mario kart games you can actually steal items off people by bumping them in in co-op on that in that game so it was Mm -hmm. maybe designed for that but I personally like it, but I don't like it on the city courses. That makes sense. Yeah, I I do agree with you that it's just maybe it's just because I haven't played them enough those city courses, but I just don't know what the route is ever. Like you know, I just I have to use the arrows on the track to tell yeah. me where to go. Often, it's not a nice feeling. Um, I like no. knowing the map like religiously right. in my head. Like that's part, part of the, the joy, joy of Mario, Mario Kart, Kart is the familiarity exactly. of the track, so that you feel like you're kind of like. You, you know you, you're doing it and you you can kind of um, excel properly and yeah i think that that takes a, away a little bit of that uh comfort which is um you know it's okay but yeah but, that's um, what they're gonna do you know a, a lot of these i think three of these are mobile tracks right so the the merry mountain yeah. and then the two right. uh you know area based uh sorry uh, location based ones are uh are from there so yeah yeah um overall i think this is a pretty solid i th- I like these better than the previous wave uh i, I don't yeah. think i played much of wave two i was actually kind of underwhelmed by that um but these are definitely better and man they still have three more of these to go right <laughs> we still have a lot of tracks left uh so i don't know i feel like that gamecube uh rainbow road that you're talking about probably will rear its head at some point i think um, they're they are aiming for every single rainbow road so i think we just i think need so in gamecube to go i believe so wow okay there damn and then you can do a whole gp that is just rainbow roads uh, and everyone will rejoice and it will be great so um yeah, yeah looking, exactly. looking forward to that when that happens um yeah the the, uh, the last other thing i'm going to say is just we talked about this a lot but like the the reverse uh quality uh, in terms of visuals on games like mario kart 8 came out in 2014 and like playing this now on switch right after pokemon and right after bayonetta it's like yeah, I don't know how how like this game just looks better than everything. Still, it just does. Um, it's it's kind yeah. of staggering uh, how good Mario. Kart when Nintendo looks. make games, they 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 know how to make them. They do, they do. They, they know how to make them last for a long time uh, as well. So um fantastic uh the other thing uh i was uh, doing a bit of catch up for this episode uh so i decided i needed to finish bayonetta 3 and that's exactly what i did i finished it last night uh very exciting and um yeah i think it's a fantastic game i really do uh you know i totally understand the criticisms of the ending um i think it's uh bad um but also i don't care so i'm in this weird place of like i totally agree with you guys also i don't really i don't really think anything in this series is consistent or like makes any logical sense um so okay i, I get that the ending narratively might be bad but yeah. let's try when in the the bayonetta story was it good yeah i i this is a slightly different thing because it is, is it a bit mechanical as well no it's okay. it's more of a it's so i don't want to spoil it but basically like bayonetta is a queer coded character right and like i I think she has appealed to that community quite broadly and like there's clearly like there's a lot of uh fan shipping between jean and bayonetta right like there's a lot of that stuff going on and let's just say 
that uh, they <laughs> they make her uh, far less of that. Let's say at the end of this game, okay. and um, and I think it just doesn't make any sense at all, even in the way that they try and handle that stuff. Um, and it's just kind of bad, and it's just in poor taste. But it's also like. You know, I, I don't expect anything better from the company who, you know, it's, it's a Japanese company, right? Like, I don't really expect mm. them to lean into that stuff, and that yeah. sucks. But it also, I don't know, it's it's like I kind of like shrug, and I don't. There's not much you can do about it, really, is there? Um, so, anyway, I, uh, I I think that overall, as a game, uh, it is fantastic. You know, it there are moments in those last few levels where it's just absolutely popping off on every front uh from a just visual choreography like one of my favorite things i've realized that i love about these type of games and even in games like the yakuza series right is before you have a big boss fight or before you have a fight with someone there's often a cutscene where they do like crazy slow-mo awesome shit where like people are like you know whether like doing a kick and it slow mos past someone's face and like all this stuff and they like fist punch each other and it just you know the the moment just kind of builds with those like cool awesome cutscene things like right before you do the fight uh and judgment has a lot of that it's part of my favorite uh, thing about the original judgment game is like before boss fights it just has those incredible cutscenes that like set everything up and and then it, it like freeze frames and it shows like the names of the characters like it's really really good and bayonetta 3 has so much of that where right before you fight a boss they're just these incredible action set pieces that happen um that are just a joy to behold and i i feel like this is a screenshot game in the sense that i was just fucking taking screenshots non-stop throughout so many moments um and often just like as i said these kind of cutscene moments but like they're just so amazingly bombastic that you it almost defies belief in a lot of senses more so than um, the other two well you've not played one have you but more so than two i yeah no i, I think being one it's interesting because being one is much more of a straight ahead action game it does have those weird crazy moments but it, i feel like i think a lot of people who love this series still prefer the first game because it focuses more on the raw pure combat of everything and i totally appreciate that because i was trying to get better at the combat in this game and i really did enjoy i played the whole thing on normal and it was it was definitely i found it a lot easier i think than bayonetta 2 maybe it's just because i was learning it and i was getting better at it but it was much more breezy and um easy to kind of get through those harder fights um but with those two games with two and three there is so much more extra stuff of like oh all of a sudden it's a first person shooter and i'm in a tank and i'm shooting something coming towards me oh now it's a side-scrolling platformer oh now we're gonna do a shmup section oh all of a sudden it's a rhythm game you know like and i fucking love that i love when these games go off the rails in that way mechanically and just completely change the way in which you engage with it and three does that a lot and i can see that rubbing people the wrong way if you're the type of person who comes here to learn the combos and get really good at those like specific fights then you might be disappointed because there's not i wouldn't say there's as much of that there certainly is a lot of it and there are a lot of fights to be engaged with but the verse structure the way that it works with verses where you like you're in you enter a uh, a little mini arena and you fight enemies and then you're done a lot of them feel quite short and they don't feel like they give you enough time to really practice and get those combos in um and they're they're kind of spread out in a in a way that you can't get into a rhythm i would say with them back to back and this game as i already said is is much more exploration focused there's a lot more kind of side paths to go down and areas to find like you know hidden secrets and you know extra parts of the level and um 
and I did really like that. I think for me, it, it's a part of the reason why I like this game so much, um, and th- that variety helped as well. But I do kind of get what people are saying because I I was like enjoying learning the combat, and I wish that there was a few more opportunities to just to do that. Because by the end, you know, you're just in boss fight after boss fight, and um, you know, you're doing set piece after set piece, and so there's less time to to really dig into that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think I had played as Viola the last time I talked about this game because I was very early. Um, Viola's fun. Uh, she's definitely very different, and I would say that could have been tuned to be a bit more accessible because instead of uh, you know having which time happen when she dodges, which time happens when she parries. But the parry window is so much shorter and harder to activate than Bayonetta's dodge window. Like, there's a real generosity to Bayonetta's dodge window, right? Yeah. Uh, you can you can get <laughs> into witch time pretty easily. And obviously, like, the, the closer to you being hit, you dodge, your witch time is longer. So you get benefit for, like, do, being better at that. But right. with the parry, there's really such a tight window that if you fuck it up, you are just going to get screwed. Like, it's, it's really hard to do. And oftentimes, I'd just be like, I'm just going to dodge with Viola. And it does doesn't mean i get witch time but at least i'm not being hit by these attacks instead of trying to parry and failing and, and keep getting hit by it um you know you get a little bit better uh, by the end but the other thing is that i like to use the move to get closer to people and viola's parry is on the r button which is also the button you use if you double tap it to get to like zoom yourself across the screen closer to an enemy so oftentimes i'd be like trying to click the parry quickly and I accidentally double tap it and then i just zoom into the enemy's face instead of blocking so yeah, I, I think they could have refined it by, number one, making the parry window much more um, easy to do, especially on the lower difficulties. Like, fair enough, if you want to make the parry window harder on expert mode, go ahead. But on standard, they should have made the parry window better, but they also should have made it so that that maps to the dodge button instead, because your muscle memory for Bayonetta is so tied to the, the mm. ZL button, or ZR button to dodge, and then as soon as you switch to Viola, you're like, oh no, I can't, I, I'm not going to activate Witch Time by doing that, I have to parry to activate Witch Time so just the muscle memory is, is completely off when you do it um but viola's battle theme fucking rules oh my god i love it so much uh, i think i sent it to you or i, I think i put it in uh, the episode where we talked about it um but it is like a pop punk fucking anthem uh, in a way that speaks to my sensibilities of, of the kind of music that i like to listen to um and i think it just it rules like that i was waiting because I, I didn't love the um the main theme uh, for this game as, as much as bayonet 2's bayonet 2's was so good um but you know i needed a, a good anthem to fight to and uh, and this certainly delivered so that was fantastic um and yeah and I, th- I think it's just you know it's it's really well made uh it's it's a fantastic game obviously i think it just doesn't have the same impact as this as the second game for me because that was the first one i played and i think it was very fresh and new to me um but i did i think enjoy playing this one more just as i said i spent more time just figuring out the combos a little bit more and learning uh, and dodging and all that sort of stuff and I think it delivers pretty strongly. It's um, it's a really really well made game, and I I think the, de- the variety on show is is just outstanding. Like it it really goes for it, and I I think that the end of Bayonetta two is maybe a bit more spectacular. Um, this one tries to be a little more not grounded, but you know there's they're, they're trying to do a bit more character stuff here. Um, and uh, again, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't really work as I've mentioned, but um, but yeah, I I think that the there are some fan servicey moments, let's say, right at the end that I really enjoyed, that I thought were very well done, um, and uh, you know, it, it definitely brings it up a little bit in my estimation. But um, uh, yeah, I I don't know that there's a lot more to say. I think that you know, 
I don't know what they do with this series. It's weird that they announced, again, we'll maybe talk a little bit about Game Awards stuff, mm. but they announced a prequel, Bayonetta Origins, uh, Cereza and the Lost Demon, I think it's called, um, which is a, it's basically really when she was younger. Down kind of, I don't know. Right. Action? It's like it isometric that. action game, yeah, and mm. has it almost looks like a 3DS game, you know, yeah. uh, which is very funny. <laughs> but um, apparently it's being made by Platinum, right? It's an in-house yeah. project where I was like, oh, I, that's weird. It's I coming out in like March? February, it's March, the same day as Jedi Survivor. So, you know, sorry about <laughs> it. I'm going to have, have to play this instead. Got the real uh, backstory in Bayonetta. Um, but no, it's really interesting they're doing that and kind of expanding the franchise. And I think uh, Platinum have already talked about doing Bay- Bayonetta 4 already. So... I don't know, I mean, this one took a long time and seemed like it had trouble development. Um, and you can definitely tell, like, in some senses, you know, uh, I, I think, for me, I the challenge levels were really annoying uh, because I, I wanted to do, like, all of the stuff in the level. And if I found a challenge level, I, like, I, I kind of want to do this. But some of them just have really frustrating challenges associated with them that just take an annoying amount of time to do and are not fun um so i think that that could have been definitely balanced better um and you know it 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 feels like again if you're looking for the pure kind of combat experience i don't think this kind of delivers on that unless you're going to go and do stuff like post game where you go and do the witch trials or you do like you know combat arenas where you're just doing combos endlessly and, and things like that um and i do i do wish there was a little bit more of that stuff in the game just to kind of flex the muscle a bit but um yeah uh, i i think overall bayonetta 3 pretty much a big success and um yeah i'm sure we're going to talk about it a little bit uh, uh you know in in this uh game of the year stuff so yeah uh, looking forward nice. to that um yeah last thing that i wanted to bring up bally is that obviously the game wars happened mm. and um I would say two or three major like Nintendo associated announcements. Yeah. Um, the biggest one, of course, that I fucking lost my mind. Hades two. That's the thing that I can say exists. Hades two. They super giant are doing a sequel, um, which they never do. Like that studio. I thought it was not Hades until it was the chord like down yes. down 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 and yeah, then... so the music sting is the thing that got it for me because um, the, th- I w- the theme of the music felt very hades yeah but i didn't i thought well maybe they're just copy and pasting a lot of the the tone of hades right. to a new ip but um well so i yeah. was watching this in the toilet um and so i it was on my small <laughs> phone screen and so i didn't see it very well so i couldn't really see that the main character had like a laurel on her head she has the same same like zagreus laurel around right, her head okay and so i was focusing more on the character uh, in the magician's hat and i was like oh they're doing like a magic style game with like wizards and stuff i was like oh that's cool and then the fucking music sting hit and it zooms in on the character and she opens her eyes and you see the red like zagreus eye and i was like holy shit like fucking lost it um and then obviously we see gameplay and it is it's a full-blown sequel with uh new characters mm. that everyone on twitter you, will you, be horny for you, you know, know your, your greek mythology mbz so, so yeah what, what's the deal with chronos chronos is the he's a titan he controls time basically um right. and yeah as hades kind of says in the trailer like i don't know how do you defeat time right like it's um it's kind of it's kind of a task so the titans obviously came before the gods the titans are kind of the progenitors of the gods in a way Mm. and you know there's they all had roles and then they're in the uh, hercules movie at the end right the titans come back and stuff they're all kind of elemental they're basically elementals yeah in a sense so um yeah, it's kind of like a tier above God, so I guess they're kind of leveling up in that way. But also you can tell from the, um, you know, 
everything visually about this game is it has it, i love that they have the color association where this is more green versus hades red you know mm. like they they've done such a great job with the treatment of the art which of absolutely like this team is stellar with that stuff but man this game looks so so good and that was my worry right was will whatever Supergiant does next be as successful because how do you follow up hades right like it's almost an impossible task and i was like you know that this game has been so successful like how do they kind of go on from there and i was i was always a little bit bummed with hades because i was like you know they did this in early access and it doesn't look like they're going to do any dlc because they you know they've worked on an early access and their dlc was the early access period basically and eventually 1.0 came out and had everything and i was like man but i would kill if they did dlc and they uh and they went one step further and they're like nah we got more ideas than that let's let's do a full-blown sequel and i think there's a worry for certain people of like well you know how do you follow up a game like that and i think that's on their website you go and read and they say you know look we always challenge ourselves to do something different and this time our challenge is to make the make a sequel feel as fresh and new as an original game uh, does and i think that's something that is good to hear from their side of like they're really trying to push it with this and i think um yeah i i'm very hopeful um for, for how well it does because you know we talk about sequels often of like you know it doesn't have the impact it doesn't kind of land in the same way and i think they they're aware of that they're cognizant of that i think they're trying to uh work around it so hmm. i'm very much looking forward so to it'll it. be early access with more details on early access yeah. this year and then 1.0 we don't know when it'll come but. yeah i imagine probably 24 end of 24 probably yeah. for yeah. you know when it would come to a nintendo console probably not switch at that point the day of the game awards 2024 is when i'd predict <laughs> yeah probably around that time i would say yeah um so it's a long way to go um another one that's a long way to go the one we've been waiting for more details on is the follow-up to celeste from extremely okay games earthblade um which basically looks like what if celeste was a metroidvania slash zelda game essentially i think uh, i think they read the press release on games daily and they mentioned that there's basically zero progression so it's very much like a flat kind of you can do I'm, I'm, I'm imagine it's like you can go to the final boss right now and still right. give them a, a a bash if you want mm-hmm. um that kind of game and but yeah metroidvania they say like no loading between any world so it's like one contiguous mm-hmm. world which looks interesting and yeah a bit of combat obviously and then hopefully some celeste like platforming in there as well which yeah they've a very got strange the... trailer just kind of like mm-hmm. panning camera over a metroidvania world and a tiny bit of action but not much but the the vibes are there for sure yeah they've got the wall climbing you can see they have kept that from celeste so that's clearly something like mechanically it feels like obviously the engine is def- definitely leaning on what they did with celeste which makes sense um but uh yeah this one feels like it's still quite a ways off uh and mm. i'm interested to learn more um definitely and they said uh, 2024 for this one so. yeah 2024 yeah. so we'll see how that goes um and uh yeah the other thing for me that stood out was um dead cells uh there's a dead cells dlc that has castlevania officially in it like konami sanctioned what the fuck like that was uh that was again that was the first announcement of the pre-show like why you put that in a pre-show i have no idea but uh anyway um that's it's pretty wild um and you know i love dead cells a lot and i've gone back to it consistently um since i started playing it and uh you know i definitely want to check this out uh if it's a paid dlc sure um I, I think that's probably a cool thing to check out and get into and have some castlevania apparently there's 50 castlevania music tracks in this which is awesome like More that fucking smash rules. brothers 
I think Smash Brothers had about 50 as well. Oh, they, they 50 Konami 50 is generous with their soundtrack for whatever reason. Uh, very <laughs> not, opposite not of Square, Square Enix. Yeah. Um, so so that's nice. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking that stuff out. Dead Cells is, uh, you know, it feels like they do a lot of stuff. They do crossovers all the time and have more DLC. And that game just continues to, to grow and grow, which is very, very cool. Um, yeah, uh, I don't think there was anything else. I guess there was a Mario clip. There was a clip for the Mario movie, uh, which looks good. Continues to look yeah, very film fun. Looks good. It's coming mm-hmm. April in the states, but still no mm-hmm. date confirmed for the UK because yeah. we don't matter apparently. And no, no, um, we we actually get yeah. it earlier than that, Bali. We get it in um, the, oh. the US is getting it late. I think it's March twenty fifth or something. We get it, so we actually get it before them. Um, so there you uh-huh. go suck on that america uh so wow. uh yeah but i, I think you know there was, there was lots of other stuff announced at the game awards and um uh you know nintendo won a good amount as well like they won action game for bayonetta they won strategy for mario plus Rabbids, they won their own category family for kirby and splatoon mm. got best multiplayer as well yeah. so they did yeah really well they, did they won every well. category they were in other than the xenoblade games basically yeah and we don't talk about that you know <laughs> we don't we don't mention the fact that god of war won uh best music when it's uh, clearly one everyone it's just uh, one song Look, everyone who voted is deaf. Uh, that's all I, I'm going to take from that, honestly. Like, it's the only rational explanation. Um, yeah. So, anyway, that's a shame. But, you know, at least it was nominated. At least it was nominated. Um, alrighty, well, uh, that is going to wrap us for the first segment. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after the break with some of your games of the year. See you in a bit. Welcome back to the second part of today's show. It's time to dive into some game of the years that you done sent to us. Uh, let me tell you, everyone sent a lot in and everyone wrote a lot of words. So I've definitely had to condense down uh, what people said. But, um, you know, I wanted to keep as much of uh, your thoughts in there as possible. So uh, we're going to go down and take a look at what the community has been playing. And as a reminder, um, I also put out a survey, a Google form that you could fill out to vote for your top five favorite games of the year. And uh, I'm doing some calculating on that. And we will reveal that at the end of the show. So after we've done everything, the very last thing I think will reveal uh, what our community's game of the year is and we'll see if it compares favorably to our own one and Mm. we can compare the list which will be fun so um fantastic let us start and dive in um before we do that bally where can people send their emails because for next show we want to hear your predictions of course uh for the next year of nintendo so send in your 2023 predictions to which email bally this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com yes we like to Open the year with our predictions show, and yeah. we'd like to go over our previous predictions that uh-huh. seem to never, never quite stick the landing. I can't remember any of mine, so looking forward to hearing them. 
Um, so yeah, send those in. That will be great. Let's start then. Uh, so our first email comes from Chad from Nebraska, who says, "Goatee T Dakota. Yup, uh, I was very late to the 3DS party, and man, it was fun to catch up. I wouldn't have tried a few of these games without your recommendations. So thanks, and keep up the good work." Uh, number ten, Ocarina of Time 3D. Use guides a lot, but now I can say I've completed it. Number nine, Gunman Clive. Quick, fun, good with bourbon. That's a good combo. Uh, number eight, Metro Samus Returns. Played this before Dread and had a better time with both as a result. Uh, number seven, Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D. Still have a few Kong letters to complete, but had a hard time putting this one down. Number six, Super Mario 3D Land. Great second act, only beats DKC because I like Mario better. Number five, Death's Door. Really enjoyed the look, movement, and discovery in this game. Number four, Oli Oli World. Scratch that SSX tricky itch, which I think technically is uh, doesn't count for this list because it's a game that came out this year, but this I'll, year, we, exactly. we can keep it. Yeah. Um, number three, Metroid Dread. Feels so good. That's all you need to say about that game, yeah. uh, honestly. Uh, number two, Cuphead. I almost quit this game so many times that the satisfaction of beating all those jerks was too great. <laughs> and number one, Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds. I grew up on Link to the Past, so this felt so familiar, but better. Love the weapons, rental mechanic, and the plot twist at the end. Really looking forward to your goatee discussion thanks again chad from nebraska thanks chad um shout out to gum and clive good with bourbon yeah. apparently great so, yes so that's good great yeah, fantastic our next email is from wicked gamer uk allen and this is a goatee list uh, number five sonic frontiers number four bayonetta three number three kirby and the forgotten land i've never really been a big fan of kirby games i like a good challenge and platforming so i felt they were just a little too on the easy side I'm glad I put those feelings to one side for this game. Not the most challenging, but so inventive and fun. Don't sleep on this game. Number two, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. This is my first Pokemon game to play to completion. I was 17 when Pokemon Red Blue released wow. and liked it, but it was just at a time in life when I needed to focus on school and other things, so I never got into Pokemon. I really liked my time with this game. I'd never appreciated uh, that Pokemon could be relaxing a relaxing game, nor did I fully appreciate the desire to catch them all and evolve them all to predictive. Again, I think that was last year, but yeah, I think it's like probably didn't didn't do the cutoff. Probably it's like right. I think it was a December game, maybe. So might have yeah, been, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, might not have been eligible. Let's say number one, Xenoblade Chronicles three. Wow, oh wow, oh wow! What a stellar game! It's not perfect, but it sure does knock it out of the park. The story was so good. The ca- combat was fantastic. The characters are extremely well realized. This game is such a labor of love and passion that hooked me for all the 75 hours of gameplay. I can't wait to continue living in this world with the DLC with as the DLC continues to be released. Fantastic. Uh, thanks, Alan. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, man after my own heart, so uh, we'll get into that. But, uh, you know, very good list. Uh, nice to see Sonic Frontiers represented somewhere, mm, I guess, yeah. you know. Uh, so our next email is from Noah. Uh, Noah says, Hey, Valley and MBZ. With the end of the year coming up, I want to send along my games of the year that didn't actually come out this year. It's the first year that I tracked all my completed games on how long to beat, which has provided me with a fair bit of data about my last year of gaming. Accordingly, I want to start off with some interesting stats. And Noah sent us a bunch of stats. Really appreciate those. I'm not going to read through them, but um, yes, thanks uh, for sending those along. And now onto the list, uh, and it's a top six because couldn't pick a top five. And number six, Steinsgate Elite. Number five, Shantae Half Genie Hero Ultimate Edition. Number four, Picross 3D Round 2. Number three, Metroid Zero Mission. 
number two, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, and number one, Danganronpa 2, Goodbye Despair. Uh, finally, I want to say uh, thank you to both of you for providing us with a year of great, captivating podcasts and fun conversations in Discord. The TNL community is awesome, and I'm glad to be part of it. Best wishes, Noah. Thanks so much, Noah. Yeah, it's been been a lot of fun chatting uh, with uh, everyone in, in the Discord about loads of games coming out. Um, and uh, yeah, Danganronpa 2 is number one. That's a bold choice. I uh, I would say Danganronpa 2 is my least favorite in the series, but I still think it's it's a solid game and has... A very strong twist, and I think one of the cases might be one of the best in the series. To me, it's kind of like an Ace Attorney 2 situation, where overall, I don't like it as much as the the first game and the third game, mm. but it has probably one of the best cases in the entire series. So, um, yeah, it's definitely up there. Um, some good stuff there. That's good. Our next email is from Albert, who says, Dear MBZ and Bally, while the goal of beating my backlog grows ever more elusive, I did nevertheless play some fantastic games this year. Just like last year, my choices of what to play have been heavily influenced by the opinions of the honourable gentlemen hosting this podcast, and for that I want to thank them very much. My top 10 games, yada yada yada, I think you, I think the phrase you're looking for is Goatee T Dakoti. Uh, uh-huh. Number 10, <laughs> Pitcross 3D, round 2. Uh, this game soundtrack now lives rent-free in my head. Number 9, Earthbound. This would rank significantly higher if it wasn't for the length of the game. Length of the game being padded with BS battles. Number 8, Pode. Uh, a, a, dare, a dare I say it, charming co-op game I would wholeheartedly recommend to anybody whose significant other is not into games. Number seven, Fire Emblem 7, uh, the most con- convoluted story I've ever heard in my life, but a great tactics game nonetheless. Number six, The Legend of Zelda, The Minish Cap. Number five, Slay the Spire. Number four, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Number three, The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, my proudest gaming history achievement this year. Uh, number two, Rayman Legends. And number one, Super Mario Odyssey. It's rare for me to keep playing after rolling credits, but this game kept me coming back for more for about a month. Thank you for yet another year another year of podcasting. Keep it up. Merry Christmas and take care. Lovely stuff. Thanks, Albert. And yeah, you can definitely see uh, a lot of TNL influence on this list yeah. for sure. I've not heard of Pode. Um, you know Pode? I do. I've had a, heard of Pode. I believe it's a 3D platformer, actually. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, so it uh, seems like a neat little indie game. Came out probably four or five years ago, I want to say. Um, but yeah, I, it's one one I've uh, had, I think, I think I probably own it somewhere on PC just because that's how my life works. <laughs> but, like um, every game out ever in the last Yeah, six exactly. Years. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Look, the the Epic Free Games is starting in a week and I will set a reminder on my phone every day to redeem every single one. <laughs> it's your so. Christmas tradition. It is. It's tradition at this point. Um, and yeah, I'm glad that you uh, got to Fire Emblem 7. Uh, it's funny you say it's the most convoluted story because I would say 7 has a pretty uh, straightforward story compared to some other games in the series. Yeah, so uh, I, a few yeah. Fire Emblem i've played i'd probably agree actually i, yeah. I, did, th- I did like seven story yeah fantastic um our next uh list comes from hunter or victory star uh, and they say uh to valley and nbz i'm really bad at writing emails so i'm just gonna get straight to my list if my entries are too long you guys can read entries three through one but i th- figure i'd throw five in uh, and that's what i did i cut it down to uh three through one um for some descriptions but at number five pokemon scarlet number four kirby in the forgotten land number three bayonetta three Uh, While I don't think this game has the best story out of all the games listed above, its gameplay and weapon variety makes it stand out above all the others, and it made me want to go back and 100% all the levels with as high a ranking as I could. Number 2, Pokemon Legends Arceus. The more somber remixes of Gen 4 music felt very nostalgic, the catchy mechanics are a lot of fun, and the story being a prequel to my favourite Pokemon games, Diamond and Pearl, had me super excited to see what was next. Number 1, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Even outside of just Nintendo games, I don't think I played a game this year that has made me experience as many emotions as Xenoblade 3. I feel my experience was further enhanced a ton by hanging out with you fine folk in the Xenoblade channel of the TNL Discord. It was fun theory 
theory crafting, different story elements, gushing about secret locations people would find, and coping with others during very traumatic parts of the story. I cannot wait to see what DLC story they have cooking up for this game, so I have more reasons to go back and play. Thank you all for reading my list, and I hope you guys have a happy holiday, Hunter. Uh, and yeah, I appreciate that, because Hunter was one of those folks who was like, ahead of me playing xenoblade <laughs> i think they took a week One off of the as three well people on the planet That's i know incredible. i know yeah so so yeah they uh you know ahead of me in the story so i was able to like just say as many spoilers as i wanted and i had someone else to bounce off of which was very nice so um yeah much as i absolutely burned through that game in a week um yes there are people who who burned through it even more than i did which is awesome uh, and very glad to hear that so there you go our next email is from Matria, who says, Thank you for another great year of podcasts. Between a stellar year for Nintendo and the cost of living crisis, meaning I'm in my office 50 plus hours a week, I've actually played fewer pre-2022 games than there have been British Prime Ministers this oh year. Oh my god. Wow, incredible. Uh, number two, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I'm only 70 hours in and yet to finish it. I genuinely really really like Xeno 2 but it's equally frustrating outside of its combat which to be fair might be my favorite in any JRPG Xeno 1 was better in pretty much every way and number one Metroid Dread uh, I, I wouldn't describe myself as a fan of Metroidvanias. Feeling lost in a video game is probably my least favorite feeling. However, Metroid Dread hit a perfect balance for me. I never felt lost, but I still had had to give puzzles a lot of thought. Most importantly, Samus feels so good to move around with. And then game of the year for 2022. At least until I play Xenoblade 3 and it takes number one lol. Uh, <laughs> number five, Triangle Strategy. Great strategy-based combat, but the story cutscenes just took up too much of the game. Number four, Splatoon 3's worth is that it just does everything better. The story mode is actually really good and the gameplay makes past entries feel sluggish. Number three, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Game Freak actually try a new concept. The result is a game I have a lot of great memories with and I really hope they continue this spin-off series. Number two, the AI the Somnium Files, Nirvana Initiative. Um... Uchikoshi Uchikoshi loves his anime bullshit but I am absolutely here for it Ryuki and Tama are fantastic additions to an already amazing cast a great sequel but the first is slightly better number one Pokemon Scarlet after BDSP I never felt less interested in Pokemon what difference a year makes Scarlet changes my issue with the last few entries instead of being interrupted every five seconds you are instead able to interact with the story when you choose to I can spend an hour just catching new Pokemon or do several story segments in a row I love the main characters and the area area zero ending is genuinely fantastic awesome uh yeah i i do think that um there's so much that pokemon scarlet does right uh, and uh it's 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 interesting just to see people's different opinions of like do they prefer arceus more do they prefer scarlet more and i think a lot of people are having that uh kind of trouble this year of like figuring out which pokemon game is the one that they uh want to go after but um yeah appreciate you putting uh, AI somnium files up there as well um definitely going to be chatting a bit about that uh, after this segment so um our next uh, one comes from Acerbus, who says, Thanks for another year of fantastic podcasts. As always, no need to read all the comments, just extra context for my choices. Um, so, first of all, Goatee T. Dakota list from Acerbus. Number five, Spyro the Dragon. Number four, Bug Snacks. Number three, Psychonauts 2. Uh, and number two, we have the Great Ace Attorney Resolve. I like Ace Attorney 5 and 6 well enough, but this game shows that Shooter Kumi's direction is really the special source for these games. This is a new peak for the series, both in, both in terms of quality of life features and gloriously stupid characters and plot. And number one, The Forgotten City. 
just an incredible experience from start to finish. You're unpicking a very small clockwork world, and yet it feels real and lived in. The game actually gives you true agency in how to tackle solving this mystery. It all works so well. Um, and yeah, I just want to shout out Bally. Obviously, you know, we always go on about what's the list of games that NBZ says Bally has to play. Um, this is this is adding to that the, the new list that's called the new school list of games that Bally has to play. Uh-oh. You've got to fucking play The Forgotten City. Holy shit. This game is rules. I know. I let it leave Game Pass and I feel awful. Oh, is um, it left already? Yeah, it has, oh, unfortunately. Damn. I, I'd buy it if you want me to play yeah. it, but um, yeah, I, I need to get to it. It's so good. Yeah, it's definitely on that list for me of games you've got to play. Um, so uh, then we have our actual game of the year 2022 from a service. Number five, AI the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. There's a literal twist in this game that made me stand up and say out loud, he's done it again, <laughs> which from me is very high praise. I know exactly what he's talking about. And I didn't even, until I read this, I didn't even think about it in that way. And that's fucking G. That actually gives me a lot more respect for, for what that game does because you're right. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, number four, citizen sleeper this game proves the persona stardew valley just one more day stickiness can be used much more broadly in games here it is used with very simple mechanics to add stakes and urgency to an already compelling story number three nobody saves the world there are some people that this game seemed to just click with uh, way more than others and i'm one of them it was just constant dopamine leveling up completing quests and creating surprising synergies that had me completely addicted number two tunic thinking back on my time with tunic feels more like an actual adventure i took than a game i played incredible game number one escape academy i have to put this at number one because the highs of just crushing these puzzles was for me the most satisfying gaming experience i had all year uh, not looking forward to hearing everyone's list and being reminded of how many amazing <laughs> games i didn't get to this year journey before destination i guess your humble listener a service um yeah i uh, really appreciate that and glad to see someone shouting out citizen sleeper um we'll talk about it i'm sure um but uh, but yeah game game's great and nobody saves the world which i think neither of us really did connect with we're the we're the people who it didn't work for bally and uh i, I liked it more than you but um yeah but we can we can definitely bring that up next segment mm-hmm. but yeah Absolutely. slightly different views and, and we both loved escape academy um and Absolutely we talked about that it. in our non-tender show last week but uh, yes great game awesome Our next email is from Tim, who says, I didn't play too many games this year since my wife and I had a baby and played some long games, but here are my little... I mean, I I had a baby and played a lot of games. Well, yeah, like 34 (laughs) games, Bally, this year? Yeah, Uh, I think it's going to end up being 35 or 36, but yeah. Wow, okay. Very, very happy with my list. Um, Go TT Dakota, number 10, Overboard, number 9, Firewatch, number 8, Goro Goa, number 7, Pokemon Alpha Sapphire, number 6, Before Your Eyes, number 5, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time 3D, number 4, Super Auto Pets, number 3, Pocket Card Jockey. This game shocked me with how great it was. A deceptively deep card game with roguelite horse breeding elements makes for an amazing little 3DS eShop game I put 40 hours into in two weeks. Wow. Number two, Mass Effect Andromeda. It is true that it's worse than the original trilogy in story and characters, but Andromeda still holds its own with greatly improved combat and, and it was tons of fun to explore the different planets in this new space in the galaxy. Number one, uh, Persona 5 Royal. With the amount of dialogue in this game, the amount of dialogue this game has, it could easily have seemed slow-paced or bloated, but the writing and characters are so good that the hours just melt away. I'm only 50 hours in, but this game is truly special and tells such memorable stories. I can tell it, I can tell it will find itself very high on my top games of all time by the end. Very cool. Goatee list. I only played four new games this year, but they were all excellent. Number four, Marvel Snap. Number three, Pokemon Legends Arceus. 
Number two, Tunic. By the time I played Tunic, its praises had already been sung far and wide, so I came in expecting great puzzles and secrets, and yet I was still blown away by some of the big revelations. Plus, its Zelda-like elements are fantastic too. Phenomenal phenomenal game through and through, only beaten out by... Number one, Triangle Strategy. It's no secret Fire Emblem is my favourite series, and this game hits all the same highs as the best entries in that series. Story, world building, and strategic gameplay and character progression are all top-notch. It will also always hold a special place in my memories as the game I played every night when I got up to change and feed my newborn. The best of 2022. Uh, very excited to hear you guys debate 2022 goatee as I have no idea how you're going to work this one out together. Hope you are still friends by the <laughs> end. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Tim. And uh, yeah, interesting to see uh, Mass Effect Andromeda so high on a list. Like, man, <laughs> that game has a bad reputation, but I'm very glad that you found some enjoyment in it. And um, yeah, I know Tim's uh, been a, a big proponent of Triangle Strategy in our Discord. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a very cool game. Yeah, um, so. good to have another another busy newborn born father yeah. uh, this year listening to the show and and to my equivalent game of your triangle strategy for me was horizon forbidden west where that yeah. was my go-to game i'd play on the night shift when bally jr was born earlier this year so yeah i i know that feeling where mm-hmm. this game is great but it now holds like a really special place because of of that kind of time in my life yeah for sure uh our next one comes from chris b who says hey guys so here it is at last after a year of nothing but 3ds i present to you in order from best to worst the games i played this year a lot of 3ds this year yeah it's awesome well i I think chris actually sent us an email at the end of last year saying hey guys my plan next year is to just play 3ds Mm, games all year right and he did it he actually the the list he sent us had 37 games ranked on it um which i cut down to a top 10 but yeah played 37 3ds games which is fucking awesome um and Chris says, for time reasons, I imagine I only want to read out the top ones. Yep, which we're going to do, uh, which is fair enough. But for completeness, I thought I'd include, uh, include everything because why not? Uh, number 10, Lego City Undercover, The Chase Begins. Number 9, Metro Prime Federation Force. Number 8, Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn. Number 7, Radiant Historia, Perfect Chronology. Number 6, Professor Layton and the Azran Legacy. Number 5, Kirby Triple Deluxe. Number 4, Tales of the Abyss. Number three, Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows of Valentia. First played it years ago and got distracted, but having gone back to it, easily the best Fire Emblem game on 3DS. In any other year, this could have been my number one. Number two, Professor Layton and the Miracle Mask. A small number of the puzzles were outright misleading or impossible for me without looking up the solution, but in all other senses, I adored this game. The art style, music, atmosphere, etc. were all right up my street. This has to be an all-time great for the 3DS. And number one, Metroid Samus Returns. This game is an absolute masterpiece. It was one of the first games I finished in 2022 and was never topped in all that time few this is by far the most games i've ever finished in a single year i'm really pleased with how many i've been able to get through the games near the top of the list are truly exceptional and even further down the list there are some really fantastic games that are really fun thanks again for another really enjoyable year of podcasting as we look ahead into 2023 and beyond all the best chris well thanks so much chris and i hope you get around to some of the switch games you missed out on uh, this year because you were playing just 3ds uh, which is i respect that so much like to have the willpower to just play one system that's an old system and not play mm. any new releases yeah. is uh it's tremendous work so uh thanks thanks chris 
And our final list is from Capsule J from Georgia in the USA. It says, Dear Bally and MBZ, this year I played through games with release dates ranging from 1985 to 2022. Among these, here are my top five of yesteryear. So this is obviously Goatee Dakota. Number mm-hmm. five, Sweet Home. Number four, Get in the Car Loser. Number three, Tohu Luna Nights. MBZ was right about this one. He gave it a great review on a previous episode, so I keep this brief. This is a top tier Metroidvania. Number two, It Takes Two. This game absolutely absolutely deserves all the praise it got. As a busy working adult, it was really hard to coordinate with a friend to play through this co-op adventure, but I'm really glad we made it work. And the Go TT Dakota goes to number one, Hunt Down. When I played this indie run and gun from Easy Trigger Games, I could not stop gushing about it with gorgeous pixel art and combat that just feels really good. Hunt Down is a masterclass in retro style action. As for games I played with 2022 release dates, I actually played quite a few. Here's my top 5 from a rather contentious list. Number 5, Pokemon Arceus. Number 4, Scorn. Number 3, Elden Ring. Number 2, Trans... Transiruby, I think? Transiruby. Every Metroidvania fan should try Transiruby. It doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it polishes the aspects of its genre to a mirror-like finish. Number 1, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. As a lifelong Kirby fan, this long-awaited transition to 3D is something I've been dreaming of for decades. This game pulls it off with a plum and and was a joy for me to play from start to finish. Overall, this was a wild year for games. Thanks for another great year of podcasting. Happy holidays. Best wishes for the new year, Capsule J. Awesome. Um, first of mention cool of Elden Ring. That's a big yeah. game from this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I think a lot of people wrote in with just their Nintendo right. stuff, but um, you know, we left it open for whatever list people wanted to send in. So, very cool. Uh, very glad that you enjoy Toho Luna Nights. That game is absolutely fantastic and is a great Metroidvania. And if you like i would say like if you even if you don't like bullet hell you should still give it a try because it's got that kind of like merging of bullet hell with metroidvania which i think just is perfect um and is is very challenging but really really good um and i have hunt down on my switch i downloaded it i think in a sale last year and i really want to get to it so very good to hear you have um some good things to say about that and i have never even heard of transaruby so thanks for bringing it to my attention i will i will go and look this thing up uh, mm. as soon as we're done here um because that that sounds very cool a metroidvania that i've not heard of is always something i'm interested in bali so there you go um and yeah that is going to do us for everybody's list thanks so much everybody for writing in again you know we cut down a bunch of these emails because people were writing a lot of their thoughts uh, and i really appreciate that i think some people posted them in the discord so if you want to go ahead and read through a bit more of people's thoughts you can head over there to the email section um and and yeah but uh, appreciate everybody sending in and writing all their thoughts out it's super appreciated and uh gives us a kind of indication maybe where people are Mm. leaning you know for game of the year and maybe that'll give you a hint for what our uh, our top games from the community will be but we will have to get to that uh, in the next section so don't go anywhere we'll be back after the break where we'll finally get to game of the year see you in a bit
Alright folks, welcome back. It's the last segment of the show. It's the last segment of the year and it's time once and all to battle royale it out to see which is the number one game that's going to come out on top here and win our top prize being game of the year. Uh, I feel like I'm a TV show host, some like mid-90s, like it's a knockout. Oh, here we go. Uh, so let's get into it, Bally. What what are the rules here? What is this thing we're doing? Tell us all what go. is happening. Okay, we are going to make a joint top 10 combined list for the games that came out on Nintendo platforms in 2022 that we played. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should say there's a lot of games on here we didn't play on Nintendo systems, but right. these games did come to Nintendo systems. Mm-hmm. And we make the argument that if these games had come day one uh, to the Nintendo Switch and had either run well or been affordable, basically weren't on Game Pass, we'd probably p- pick these up on Switch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that wasn't the case for some of these games, but the, the, they still deserve to be on this list. So a game like yeah. Overwatch 2, for example, yes, it came to Switch day one, but because we didn't play it on Switch and we had the option to play it on Switch... And we didn't want to, and we didn't want frankly, to play let's it. say that. Yeah, we yeah. didn't want to, yeah. Um, it does, we just felt it doesn't fit this list. Whereas, say, for example, a game like Tunic, sure, it did come to Switch, but day one it was Game Pass and it was on Xbox and PC mm-hmm. and we played it on other platforms, but it still makes this list because, you know, we would have played that probably on Switch had it come there mm-hmm. day one, but it didn't. But it still yeah. makes this list. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it gives us a broader list generally, more interesting discussion, um, and I think that's kind of what we want to do. So, Bali, do you want to read through Oof, the list of go. games that we have? I'm actually going to go ahead and delete a couple of these just to sure. not, conf- yep. not confuse you as you yep, go down. Yep, yep. Um, but we have 21 games, so uh, let's go. They're alphabetically ordered here. We um, have A Memoir Blue, AI The Somnium Files, Nirvana Initiative, Bayonetta 3, Citizen Sleeper, Cuphead, The Delicious Last Course, Given, Beyond the Trees, Kirby and the For- Forgotten Land, Live Alive, Lunastis, Mario Plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, Nintendo Switch Sports, Nobody Saves the World, Oli Oli World, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, Splatoon 3, Tinykin, TMNT, Shredder's Revenge, Triangle Strategy, Tunic, and Xenoblade 3. Wow. Hell of a list. Also, just want to quickly flag um, Cuphead, the delicious last course. We don't often do DLC, but we think this DLC was also so good and is kind of standalone to a degree enough that we were like, we're just going to count it as its own thing. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think it, it varies because I, th- I think I put Tawner on this list one year, you know, like sometimes I think it is worth doing. Um, it depends how we feel about it, right? If it was a DLC that we played and we're like, oh, whatever, I probably just wouldn't bother putting it on the yeah. list. But um I think Cuphead reminded me how fucking good Cuphead is, which is a really important thing to know. Yes. Uh, so, so that was very, very good. Um, okay, so usually what we do, Bally, is we will chip away by removing things first, uh, and then when we feel like we're, we can't remove any more, we'll start adding things to things that we think should be on, and then we'll go back and forth until we yeah. cut down to a top ten, basically. Okay. Um, so, I'll start. Uh, I am going to remove a memoir blue from this list. Okay. Uh, it's like fine i guess uh it's it's a narrative game it was short and on game pass and you're like let's give that a go yeah it's like a small narrative game about this girl who's like she's like one sports or something and then she just disappears underwater it's from annapurna so like it kind of you thought like oh it's kind of got a quality bar here i feel like annapurna have been missing more than they've been hitting lately annapurna goodness me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Anna Porna, they're just, they're pawning themselves out. Um, they they have, yeah, not hit as well with some of these games. I think A Memoir Blue is a great example of that, where 
it's it's only two hours long so it's not like i wasted my time but i almost feel like i wasted my time playing it you know it's it's fine sometimes i think games that do the whole "ooh, i'm a narrative game type of thing i think some of them just don't really hit and this is one that just doesn't really hit you know um and when you don't hit and you're a narrative game there's not really anything else to care about right because so much of it relies on your investment that mechanics are all always secondary and there's like little mini game things you do here and there but it's ultimately pretty forgettable and i don't think worth putting on any list let alone this top 10 between us so i'm going to remove it uh ceremoniously okay. from the list as the start i'd like to remove gibbon beyond the trees okay um i saw this in the nintendo direct and i was like that looks great it's out now i want to play i'd seen it on twitter like a trailer from beforehand it's just like 2d platforming with a gibbon just was really appealing to me and then i heard that it's got like a very like environment pro environmentalist message which i think the game definitely does have and does well uh the game just doesn't run very well on switch which is a real shame especially as you get to later levels there's a lot more going on in the levels and the game chugs a bit more as a result uh i think it probably would run better on like iphone ios systems um <laughs> which is just sad to say at this point that the which is phones are more powerful <laughs> yeah. than a switch but um, we're definitely in a, in a phase where there are certain games that are just optimized for that platform better um but you know it is still a really cool little hour and a half two hour game where it still runs to a d- degree where i still had a really good time with it you know and it's just a really cute little charming game i i think that it's maybe one of those games where they're going a little bit more for the message and the vibes than they are on the actual mechanics of the gameplay and that maybe is a little bit of a shame considering like the real appeal initially for me was like right 2d platforming swinging around and platforming is a very generous word for this game because ultimately you're just you're like holding a button and then the gibbons hands will just like one shoulder button is elevation one shoulder button is like falling down and then you're just doing a combination of the two it's it's a very strange control system to try and explain but um it's not quite platforming and yeah it's okay but i don't think it's going to come anywhere near our top 10 yeah i do want to check this out at some point i think just visually it's really striking mm. you know um and that's that's a nice thing and it's not too long right so no like a, very hours. short hour and a half yeah. two hours oh wow okay perfect you know um so yeah i don't know uh feels like it's probably better than a memoir blue so it deserves to come off after okay. that but, um, but yeah <laughs> yeah now we're just getting to ranking the eliminated yeah. um okay so i I think I'm going to take off Lunistis. I know I raved about it last episode, but ultimately it is like a very short little experience, you know? It's not innovating hugely. It's just doing something really well, you know? It's just nailing platforming. It's doing a really good job at being a kind of blend of Sonic and Mario Odyssey and like a bunch of different platformers that we know. But it ultimately just nails the feel and it nails the aesthetic like it looks really good it also runs so smoothly on switch is one of the best performing uh, kind of smaller 3d games that i've seen on the system and i i really think that people should give this a look i know we're not going to put it in our top 10 but i really still want to say it's only five quid on the eShop. if you're you know over christmas looking through the eShop for something to play you know going to the family gathering or whatever and you want a short little game really recommend lunistus i think it's it's definitely gonna um 
you know you're gonna get a lot out of it especially i think our audience tends to like 3d platformers so if you're one of those types of people who likes them then definitely jump on this game and, and give it a shot because i think it's, uh, it's it's totally worth checking out and um yeah i'm interested to see what the developer does next because i watched uh, nwr's review of it and john redden was saying like i really want something like this but a bit more meat on the bone you know like mm. uh, a bit more fully fleshed version of, of this game and i think that could definitely be a really good success for them so um yeah definitely check out lunistis really really cool um i should definitely cut something because then we're we're keeping it a bit more balanced there's one that i think you probably will want to cut that we both talked about last segment is probably not making our list but um you know <laughs> i can uh, see your cursor move it's uh-huh, not yeah. like you're uh-huh. hiding it from i'm not um, yeah i'm not hiding it but, yeah uh, I, I i don't think nobody saves the world will make our top 10 i don't think it will. um i would have cut another game first but i know okay this is a joint list um I think we can only make a couple of cuts before we even get to like our top 10. But I'm happy to cut Nobody Saves the World. I think I liked it more than you. I think that by... It's it's quite a long game. I think by hour, I don't know, 8, 9, 10, I was like, okay, I get it. This is kind of like... There wasn't like that kind of third quarter fresh new thing that made the game feel good again. It kind of just... I was honestly ready to give up by that point, if I'm honest. And... And I, I I pushed through it when I didn't really want to, and I didn't really get much else out of it. I kind of speed ran it at the end. Like, I found one cave where I could go into that cave and just kind of grind out levels, and that's kind of what I did. I just ground out levels until I was high enough to take on the, the kind of endgame dungeons. And, you know, there was some fun in finding combinations and things like that, but... I was really disappointed by this. This is by far my least favorite drink box game, and um, and I, it just didn't work. And I and I I can't really put my finger on like why, but something about it that I think just the way that it never really changed things up for me. Um, I think it's just the grinding of the different characters and trying to. It's trying to get be fresh by having so many abilities you have to, you, yeah you, you have to grind different abilities to progress the game and exactly, i think it yes. thinks it's fresher than it is when in reality it's still grinding and like you're ultimately with that kind of game you want the ability to be like right i've tried out all these abilities but like like overwatch or something i've tried out all these characters all these abilities i found my three favorites and now i want to beat the game with my three favorites and i don't actually think this game really allows you to do that because you still need to level up everyone else to gain the levels to gain the progression to keep the game going forward and i think that's where maybe after hour four or five i would have liked the ability to be like right i've tried all the abilities this is how i feel about this that and that the other i'm gonna like customize these three four characters i want to just beat the game with and yeah i felt a bit restricted and not being able to do that where every time i came back to like i think my favorite was like the ranger i'd be like right now i'm back to the ranger and oh well i'm just gonna do this one dungeon and then because i need all these levels with all these other characters that don't haven't leveled up i guess i can't play as the ranger anymore and that kind of sucks well, yeah, it was elemental based, so you had to have at least one character who had that type that would be yeah. you know, super effective effectively against those enemies and break shields of those enemies. And I think the most frustrating thing for me was I wanted the leveling to work in a way that I didn't really have to think about it, you know, where I didn't have to, I was just like, in the natural course of playing, I should unlock all this stuff. But then you would have... Yeah. Um, in reality, you have to look at menus and things just to work out what to do next. You'd have specific objectives like... Uh, you have to use this character to break this type of shield. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to naturally do that. So I might as well just go and find that enemy and just deliberately do that for a few rounds just to get it unlocked, if you know what I mean. Um, Which I just found frustrating. Um, But 
hey, uh, you know, clearly people like this game. Acerbus already talked about it in the last segment, number three game of, of their list. So, you know, people do really connect with this, and it just didn't work for me. So, right. unfortunate. Um, um, okay, is it my turn? Yes, I was just going to say, I, I do think that the list is looking very strong already. It's very good, We can yeah. maybe flip it on its head now. There's one game I'd argue that should go down that we've both played, okay. but... Um, do you want me what's, to make what's that the argument, one that, or do you want to go first? No, you go for it, Bal. If you've got one you think you should cut, I don't think Shredder's Revenge is quite going to make this. Ooh, if, you, yeah. if, you, if you're reacting like that, maybe we can hold off on that discussion. But No, I'm not I, I'm not here to like make a defense force for Shred, Shredder's Revenge. I think it's really good. It's just, ah, oh man, I did have a lot of fun playing it. It's going to struggle on this list. It really is, but that game's really good i would i would keep that on above switch sports if i'm honest oh, I you forgot. know yeah no that's fair. you know like if we're going to take something off i don't I'd argue, think i forgot switch about sports. sports i'd probably drop both yeah. of them to be honest yeah well let's okay let's i think let's drop switch sports for now maybe okay um and see how we go and maybe we start adding and i think probably shredded revenge will get cut eventually but why I, are we why are we dropping switch sports i think <laughs> We kind of played it for a couple of weeks and then never... And I know that's, you know, that's the case with us in the podcast, but also widely around the industry, I just... Nothing happened with that game. And I think... Yeah. Ultimately, it was the same as the original game. And the original game hit because of the impact and because of the time and local play and all that sort of stuff. And it was as simple. But even even the original Wii Sports, as we said multiple times, had stuff like all the tennis mini games, like hitting off the wall and doing the yeah. challenges. Those were the things ultimately as a single player person, when I was playing Switch uh, Wii Sports back in the day, that actually kept me coming back to it again and again was the high score chasing of those little things. And this game doesn't have any of it. It's all multiplayer online. And look, it's really good. Like, I think we both really enjoyed playing the game. Yeah. But um, I don't, I don't think it just holds your attention for long enough to to warrant being on a top 10 list you know um, i think had they included more single player modes it would have done better for us personally on this list i don't think it would have sold any better or made any more waves but yeah. um i think the new sports are, are good but i don't think they're doing anything that you know reinvents the wheel or you know it's quite predictable arguably and yeah it's it's really good and we had a lot of fun but it felt so paper thin in a way like it, yeah that level of fun there's not a ton of depth and and it was cheap to be fair you know it was, it was like cheap. 25 yeah. quid or whatever yeah so. it was good um and it scratched that nostalgia itch in a nice way for us which yeah. i did like um and I, if i was Nint- if i was nintendo on the on the nintendo board i would have very much have been keen on nintendo throwing something like this at the wall and seeing if it sticks because it's the kind of thing that you know nintendo like if this does well it sells 15 million you know mm-hmm. and if it doesn't it doesn't but either way it's not if it doesn't do well it only sells six million you know yeah and you i know? think i don't know what the sales are for this game but i imagine it sold i don't know a couple of million or something yeah i think fine, probably but, you know it had the potential it, it, it they gave us something that was pretty threadbare and a little bit unforgivable in some senses yeah. but um yeah still has a good time with it and yeah it's not going to make our top 10 it's not sadly um 
Okay, should we start putting some things into a top list so we can just remove them from our headspace a little bit on this let's list? Let's put things in the top list that we think actually can merit top five. Yeah, okay, let's do top, or, top five. Or we yeah. think are at least in the top five discussion. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I move to put Xenoblade Chronicles All right. 3 on this list. <laughs> I saw that okay. one coming. All right, let's uh, put so let's, uh, let's do that. Uh, I'll put that up there. Um, I think Tunic's also in that discussion. Agreed, agreed, definitely. Um, I think Citizen Sleeper is in that discussion. I was going to go for that one next as well. Okay, let's put that up there. Um, any others, Bally, that stand out to you that have to be top five material, do you think? If there was one more lock for this top group, in my opinion, it would be Cuphead. Ooh. Yeah. I- I'll take that. Okay. And we can we can discuss it. It could drop, but... um. Yeah, Man, it, can, it can drop. I think it's fucking good. Uh, okay. Is there anything else that we want to lock? I don't personally think there's anything that's close to a lock for top five, but okay. obviously something else is going to make top five because we've got four so far. But Yeah, totally. Okay, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, cool. There are a lot of very good games in the middle here that's yes. going to be a, a hard, hard-fought battle to get them on the list. Um maybe some deals have to be struck here yeah it's getting Um, getting tough okay so i think tmnt probably goes then doesn't it you know i think think we gave it its time i really man i I played this game twice now right because i played it myself and then i played it with you i think it is again like for a genre that we don't tend to like a lot no um it's a really good one of those, you know? I think for me, it nails the mechanical aspect where the dodge rolls are there and the kind of the ability to jump and like have a bit more flow to your movement just stands it apart from stuff like the Streets of Rage series or like classic beat em ups, other ones we played, like the Battle Horberg one that we played. Mm. Um, it, it just feels like you have a bit more. I don't know. You just you're just dexterous, you know, in a way that these games never usually allow you to be. And for me that made it feel so much better to play. Um and it just has a lot of personality. Like all the enemies, like the guys just playing their Game Boys or like sleeping on the bench. Like there's so much character in all those animations. It's it's so lovingly crafted. Um and generally like a good challenge level as well, right? Like we would playing through uh, you know, together be like oh shit you know you need to take the pizza because your health is low or whatever and and, you know make sure we're strategizing a little bit um and ultimately i think it just offers a little bit more than most beat-em-ups do and modernizes thing you know i think for me that's the most important thing is that it feels like it modernizes the idea of um of beat-em-ups and streets of rage 4 already was on that path but i think this goes a step further and and really puts it in perspective and it I, I kind of bums me out in a sense because it makes me feel like i don't think a beat-em-up will ever make our list if tmnt shredder's revenge isn't going to make our list yeah and it's like one of the best ones i've ever played and like probably up there uh i think it's again i just think the genre is playing against its favor here which is rough um because i just don't like these types of games but. yeah it is rough but how many how many people in 2022 haven't played a beat-em-up that then play a game like Shredder's Revenge and then that makes, say, like, I don't know, top three on their list? You know, like, I think a good number does it have of people. That, does it have that appeal where it can yeah. turn people over to the genre? I think it can, honestly. And if I'm honest, you know, I, I think that both this and Streets of Rage 4 
if we get more modern beat-em-ups like this, I will absolutely play those types of games. Now, the, th- mm. the problem with this genre is it's all about replayability and going through, because it only takes a couple of hours to play through the main story. Yeah. And I don't tend to go back after I finish something, right? So I feel like it's for people who want to keep playing the same game again and again there's loads of stuff to unlock in in, in this and like the leveling system I, I also like there's a leveling system right that you unlock more moves as you go along and you know there's a good variety of characters you can choose from and they all play very differently i played as oh god who was it in the first i don't remember any of the names of the turtles but i played as the one with the um donatello oh, michelangelo yeah i played the with the one who had the sword i think or the the, the knives i can't remember which one yeah. i think it was the knives maybe um that was fun and then i played as april o'neill and she has the microphone and that's even more fun she's very fast and like um agile and that was that was really good so yeah shredder's revenge is excellent and it's not making this list is no reflection on its quality because it is extremely high um it's just look it's 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 me not you you know it's just it's it's my problem it's not you all right (laughs) nothing wrong with you shredder's revenge you're perfect you're a beautiful specimen um um I think I don't see Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope making it in this list. Yeah, I was going to wait to see if that was a bombshell that would be dropped, but um, I... I really like this game. You know, yeah. like it. It. I don't think it's going to make my top ten either. But like it, it improves on so many things of the first game, but then goes backwards in other ones. I think yeah. we mentioned before that the opera singer battle in the first game as it stands is like the peak of this series so far and it's yeah. a shame that there's nothing in this game that reaches that level of bombast and craziness and right. just charm that you that like that that battle summarizes the charm of mario plus rabbits like it's just hilarious it's silly and as you said before it's they're talking about mario's video game career so far mm-hmm. and it's nothing hits on that level in this game and there's a handful of worlds where you don't get a new character and there's just not quite enough boss fights and like challenges that I was like, right, this is interesting. But the world building's really good and like the, the worlds to explore are a lot more fun than the first game. Um then as the game wrapped up I was like, Yeah, that's, that was a good boss battle and then the final final battle was like, Well, that was a good boss battle and then I was left beating the game feeling Yeah, that was a really good game, but it's not it's not far surpassing the first game and it just wasn't quite reaching a level i was hoping it might overall um and i'm interested what you think because i know you've played like the first yeah obviously i'm i'm like only six hours into this thing and i'm like near the end of the second world i believe and you know i got thrown off by bayonetta 3 coming out and then god of war coming out and then i decided to play pentamon and (laughs) decided to play like seven other games but um i don't know i i I think that maybe speaks to how I felt about it yeah, initially. Yeah. Was like I didn't feel like a longing to like. And obviously, I think it was other games. It was just a scheduling thing more than anything. But I, I do think if I had loved Mario Plus Rabbids more, mm. I would have spent the time to play more of it yeah. before those games came out, and I just didn't. Um, and I don't know if it's just the structure of it or whatever, but I found it. I just found it a little bit harder to pick up and play. I yeah. don't know why that is. Um, I also think I, the um, first 10 hours were more moorish and impactful than mm. the last 10 hours. It's a roughly 20-hour game, I think. And I, I don't know. So I was just a bit like... There's like a middle point in that game where it's like, oh, you're not going to give me a new character? There's not like a new big... Mm. big it was like, oh, so you're just going to fill out more levels that kind of 
not filler that's a harsh word but like it's like right well i'm not getting a new character to mix up the formula again and that was a bit frustrating and yeah yeah i don't know it's it's got a few issues but um it's not going to make our top 10 yeah it's a real shame i would have liked to have played it but i uh, for me personally i was enjoying bayonetta 3 more and that was the game that i wanted to try and finish before we had this conversation so knowing that you had already beaten mario plus rabbits and um yeah that's fair that's very fair um okay uh, is there anything that we want to move up to the list that we think is going to make it? Um, because for me, there is definitely a couple here that I think probably just should be on the list, at least for the moment. Um, what in do you think? In the top five or in the top ten? No, just in the top, just yeah, generally on the list, 10. yeah? Um, um, I think Splatoon 3 has to be on this list. I, I couldn't, I wouldn't have believed myself saying that at the start of this year, but I think the single player for Splatoon 3 really, really knocked my socks off. And I agree is such a big improvement that i want to reward it you know like i i cannot tell you how much i fucking despise the single player splatoon 2 and for me to come around and say this is one of the best single player uh, campaigns nintendo has ever done like that is a massive difference and it's a huge deal and you know obviously we're playing loads of games all the time so i've not played as much multiplayer as i would have wanted for splatoon 3 but the multiplayer is still fantastic you know it still feels fantastic they've made improvements to the lobby system and all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's i think it really is the peak of the series at this point and i would have said splatoon 1 was before this and there's still you know there's still some maps that we talked about would like to come back but with multiplayer with how strong the single player is and how how well it runs how good it looks it's the, the new weapons are fun like i i think we've got to have it on this list and i i wouldn't have believed myself saying that at the start of this year but i really think they surprised us with Splatoon three yeah um, i so, agree yeah. the single player i was already a fan of Splatoon single player and this just mm-hmm. went above and beyond it felt they they they, they stuck to they flipped they kept switching around like new abilities and new weapons a lot more in the in the single player campaign and there were very few levels that felt like a trudge where it's like right okay here i've got to get from point a to b and there's all these enemies and i've already used this gun i already know what these enemies are going to do you know there were just enemies you'd already faced weapons you'd already used and i think the single player campaign did such a good job of saying well here's a new weapon here's a new uh enemy that and there's a new or not even an enemy it's like Here's a level where there's not even any enemies. You're just going right. to be making a three-dimensional uh, whale using blocks. And right. you're basically like, squirting your gun in these specific ways. And Just the bite-sized mini challenges of it all, you know, was so well-designed and really thought through. And also, the imp- obviously, the live system is still there, but at least they fucking let you do retries and spend your currency in order to, like, not lose your checkpoint and stuff like that, right? Like, these are the types of improvements that I was talking about and hoping that they would make, and they did make them, and, and it was really... And I, I also really like the overworld stuff, right? Like, just exploring the, the snowy kind of, like, areas and uncovering all the hidden secrets and stuff. It was really fun, um, and, and that's, like, a level of kind of 3D platforming exploration that they added um, to, like, a meta layer of, of the game that I thought was super excellent. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more when we get to the list, but I think it should be on the list. Um, another one I would like to vouch for, I think we're just we're in danger of forgetting how much we were into this game um and you know it's infamous because we just went back and forth but i think ollie ollie world has to be on this list i agree you know? i agree it like fucking going back and forth on that one level oh my was God. so much fun yeah. holy shit um and i do think this game has like some issues later on with some of the stages getting like 
really stupid hard for some of those alternate paths but it's kind of the point because you know it's yeah. supposed to be that way i also and... think the game does a really good job of being able to be played in so many ways where i yeah. was more or less playing it other than the one level where i was just trying to take down your score constantly uh-huh. other than that level i was more or less playing from start to finish and just beating these levels and not going for the high scores as such and i was doing all the challenges man like i really did like go in for it and again towards the end it gets very hard to do all those challenges so i fell off in the last couple of worlds but i think the first three worlds i have every challenge for every stage almost that's why it took me so long to get through this game because i was just like there's something about it i think it's how people were talking about neon white this year as well it was like i would end up spending like 25 minutes on one level just trying to do everything mm, yeah. and be like oh, oh i guess i'm not really like bali's much further ahead in this game than me because i'm just sitting here doing this one level over and over <laughs> again you know like it really got me and um uh, there's dlc for this that has come out recently that i would love to give a go so it's, it's still on my radar to go back to ollie ollie world because i think just from a feel and animation standpoint it's so perfect and on point you know like the movement and just the sound design of just you know gliding on those rails and you know everything that's keeping your keeping your combo going by using the um is it what's it called where you like use the board and you kind of flick it and you're sliding on it it's not on oh, a manual manual yeah, yeah using manuals and stuff to continue your combo and like all the calculations that were going on in my head of like how many i could do between rails mm. uh, to keep that combo going it was just it was really like a strategy um and and i got deep into it so yeah i I, I, I agree and i think it was just so fun and i mean the, the other games held up mechanically but this game added for me it was the the level design the world design and then the style of the world like all these things yeah. were just like things layered on top that just made this a much better game than previous games in my mm-hmm. opinion and just made it i mean this game i think did quite well and became a lot more ch- talked about in our podcasting circles and stuff mm-hmm. and that, i think that that speaks to like what they were doing with the art style and the level of design and yeah it was just very cool very cool um i agree really it should stuff. be it should be up there so okay we've got like a little group of top four roughly yeah. which is sitting at xenoblade 3 tunic zits and sleeper and cuphead the, the delicious last course and then we've got the kind of like the the top 10 but maybe not top five sitting at splatoon 3 and ollie ollie world yeah and we've got this big group in the middle that needs to mm-hmm. go up or down, which is AI, yes. the Somnium Files, Nirvana Initiative, Bayonetta 3, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Live Alive, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, Tinykin, and Triangle Strategy. Yeah. It's getting hard. It's getting really, really difficult. Um, t- Bali, talk to me about Tinykin, because I like Tinykin a lot. I think you love Tinykin, though. I love Tinykin. Tinykin is one of the few games on this list that will actually be in my top 10 of okay like overall um for the year and yes i don't think the ending or anything is anything special but Mm -hmm. like i've not maybe like generally there aren't a ton of 3d platformers out there always coming out but i've not felt like that kind of here's a big open world i'm just gonna explore and jump around in the mario odyssey way since mario mario odyssey and this game deserves so much credit for that um and it just looks really good like having the the 2d sprite on the three in the 3d world like initially when i saw trailers i thought that's a little bit gimmicky i can see they're doing that to kind of get make sure the game runs well this kind of thing but when you're playing it it's like it actually looks really really good i was playing it's a this gorgeous game yeah, yeah it's it's so good and it, it's it 
it turns there's no combat it's just exploring and collecting and as simple as that is it's really really fun and i th- and the huge shout out needs to go to like the 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 green tinykin that you use to use as ladders where mm-hmm. that was the one type of tinykin that genuinely felt really innovative that i didn't think i've really seen in other games and a lot of the other tinykin you could kind of map to certain types of pikmin a bit more closely where they were those... very like specific for different puzzles where yes. like the ladder ones or the ones that created le- electricity chains and stuff like you could only interact with them in specific circumstances where the the green ones were you could use it for just f- a function of platforming that was useful everywhere which i thought is why they stood apart because you know they were they were a multi-tool in a sense like you could use them in lots of different scenarios yeah. um to be helpful so yeah yeah i like this game a lot i think for me i unfortunately got motion sick from it and i have no idea why but i couldn't play it for too long because it did give me motion sickness and i do think that like towards the end it was pushing it a little bit like the, you get to that point where man i feel like i've exhausted everything and i don't quite have enough um you know things here collected or i just don't know where this last thing is like there's that frustrating part in the last world where i did i went and got that car but then i didn't know where the car was and it was in this other garage place that i didn't yeah. realize and it does hard cuts on the cutscenes that we'd mentioned yes. before where it'll say it'll just like spring up here's where you need to go next and it'll do a fade to black and then go back to your character and it's like i have no yeah. reference point as to exactly. where my character is in relation to what i just saw and there's no map in the game is there? there's no, no map like, yeah. no um and it doesn't do the visual thing we talked about before that i think games like mario sunshine mario odyssey do where they zoom in on the thing or a point that you need to like interact with and then mm-hmm. they pan out and then it pans all the way back to mario and you think right i've got a reference point for where i am in relation to that point of interest you know and this game doesn't do that and that's one thing i would have liked to have seen it do it sounds like a small thing but actually saves you 20 minutes of roaming around an area looking for the relevant place for sure yeah uh i you know i i think it can go on the list i think you're gonna be mad if it's not on the list so i think it probably (laughs) i'd like it in the discussion alongside splatoon 3 and ollie ollie world at the moment but it's not a lock by any means yeah let's put it in there i think it's it deserves a shout out for sure um and i really enjoyed it you know i think when i first started playing it again my priorities in these games are can i move quickly and they gave me a soap bar to move quickly and i was like all right good game game is good i'm here for it so yeah it's it's great um okay there's lots of stuff here that i've played um that i think i need to make some decisions about what makes it and what doesn't um triangle strategy is gonna make my top 10 um triangle strategy is really fucking good and i definitely love it more than live alive live alive i think is cool and i think live alive is a good rpg from that era and they modernized it and they made it look cool and it has a lot of variety i personally didn't love the the back half of live alive if i hadn't had two four hour train journeys where i was kind of forced to play it i i feel like i would have put it down honestly you know i don't I don't know that I really ever wanted to go back to it after that point because once you go through that section of, I, I'm I'm the... surprised the guy who plays all of these ridiculously old JRPGs mm-hmm. on like your Amber Nick and is just willing yeah. to grind through random ass caves and put on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously you have to hold modern games to a higher standard, so I'll give you sure. that. But um, I'm surprised that that repelled you so much in that way. Well, I think the the reason is is because I can I can kind of cheat in those games i can use save states and stuff right. you know like it's it's such a more seamless experience in those old games because you can kind of like make your own 
way through it in that way where live live doesn't have that it's just it's an old game that's been made look to look new and still has all the problems of like it's hard to it's harder to go back to i guess and i don't i don't think the game is like overly challenging or anything and i think it definitely um isn't (laughs) it's not as combat focused as you might think i think because because of how segmented everything is at the beginning um it's it doesn't allow you to kind of create a party of characters that you level up throughout the game you just kind of you get to a stopping point with them and then you know it's a little bit the octopath traveler problem where i unlocked a character in that kind of last segment and they were still level three and everyone else is level 10 i'm like well this is stupid why didn't you just make everyone the same level you know going into this last section because it just feels off it just feels unbalanced in a way that doesn't make a lot of sense and um yeah so there were, there were issues i had but i did i did like the ending and i and i thought it was it was worth doing and going through and some of those kind of like dungeons were interesting but it it felt like it fell off a cliff when it came to narrative stuff like it the narrative stuff was so interesting and cool for the first half of the game and so diverse and then at the end it just kind of coalesces into something a bit more generic and you know in a way similar to the end of um some other big rpgs where like final fantasy 6 we've always talked about as the first half is so narrative focused and like kind of singular and very linear in a way and then Mm -hmm. the back half is like you have a lot of optional stuff you can do and it doesn't quite cohere in the same way and it's it's basically get everyone together to fight kefka and that's the kind of culmination of it but there's not a lot of story beats and this is kind of what this felt like it's kind of uh, a sign of the times i guess where they were doing this and um yeah i do i know you like live alive a lot and definitely rank it very highly so i I agree with you about the second half or like last third of the game and I think that the story beat at the end the finale is worth it like I think it's a really cool plot twist and what it's doing with the characters and the main enemy at that point in time and I I really really love that stuff narratively but there is like a grindy section that could have been remedied honestly like as you say like once you play the seven chapters with the seven characters if they could have been a more relevant or closer level to, say, the final battle, that section could have been hours shorter. And then you go you go from this fresh seven-character thing into playing as the other character and then into the final boss. And there could have been a lot less downtime where it is a lot more traditional, where you're grinding, that you're in this... On top of it being traditional, you're in a fantasy setting on top of yeah. that. And as much as i love that world and i love that ending that air, that section could have just been a little a lot shorter and yeah i didn't mind it a ton in the moment and but i definitely was like right get out the guides who am i getting how do i mm-hmm. put my team together how do we do this and, and then it was like wow this has gone from like really modern take on a traditional jrpg to right back to its tra- traditional roots and kind of yeah, like exactly. a heartbeat which was mm-hmm. a shame I still really love this game. I think the music is phenomenal. I think the freshness, especially for the first two thirds, first half of the game is really great. I think the narrative beats, especially at the end are great. I really loved all that stuff. Um, Again, HD, like this HD 2D has come on a long way since Octopath Traveler. And I think this game really does showcase that you can do a lot more than just the Octopath Traveler style in HD2D. Like, HD2D isn't one homogenous thing, and this game really showcased, like, really different, vibrant locations that were so fresh and interesting, and the game definitely deserves credit for that. Overall, yeah. I think I'd love to push to try and, try and scrape this game in into, like, num- the number 10 slot, but I totally appreciate 
there's a lot of games to talk through um mm-hmm. my i would vouch that we stick it up for now and then it might drop out later it's really hard i think we're in this place where we have we have these pairs of games yeah. where like we have the 2d hd twins we have the two <laughs> pokemon games and we have anime bullshit category with bayonetta and ai the somnium files i i i do think triangle strategy can sit higher than live life i think you care about that game a lot more than i care about yeah. live life um i so triangle strategy came out around the same time as elden ring and i actually went back to edinburgh like just soon after elden ring came out so i was like oh well i can't play elden ring but let's play triangle strategy and i was like yeah sure you know i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to playing this because i'm enjoying it and i fucking devoured triangle strategy i spent like 50 hours with that thing over a week when i was back home and it was so so good like i really i do think that the game gets rightly criticized for how wordy it is because it's fucking wordy it just like are there narrative not... pay- narrative payoffs for that wordiness or are you left feeling uh, a bit like Ugh, it could have been leaner. yeah a little bit like i think there's some interesting stuff and i think it's it's cool from a political standpoint and from like a world standpoint like there's some interesting stuff that happens i do think that they just could have they could have just uh, slimmed down they needed an editor basically is what they needed um but i do think that what happens is interesting and it also varies depending on your choices right like there are three different endings you could get that are pretty significantly different as well as multiple branching paths throughout the whole game there are it's probably about seven or eight maps that i haven't seen in this game because of choices i made there was i was looking on a website of like here are all the different branching points and like you could get this if you take this choice and this choice get this map and sometimes there are three map options depending on what you've chosen and it's wild it's really really cool that it has such variability and like i legitimately i restarted i started a new game plus run as soon as i'd finished which i never do and obviously you know i didn't go through with it because i don't have time for that but i i was so enamored with it that i i pushed myself to do that and i think it for me where mario and rabbids fails on a tactical front because it's too easy triangle strategy is fucking hard and i loved that it was fucking hard you know like i really relish the challenge and there were multiple situations where you just have to think differently from fire emblem right because there's no permadeath and so you have to sacrifice people you know like there are there were multiple maps where i had one character left everyone else was fucking dead and i had one character that's that's how i play fire emblem sometimes yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. Have one character uh, left and i was just e- i was eking it out I, I had like this spot that i got to and i was like beating people over slowly going away out of range and then killing them and like it that it, it really is um a tremendous strategy rpg uh from a gameplay perspective and personally the 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 dialogue stuff didn't bother me that much right like it was like okay cool it's it's going a bit long but i don't know i i i didn't find as much of a turnoff as i think a lot of people did and it's a game i definitely would have played this year if i had had uh less baby and more time exactly Um, yeah uh, it was high i had a list of games just specifically for like i call them 2022 subs and this is like top of my subs list for sure yeah definitely so the question is do we want to put both games on the list or do we want to because i kind of want to have a pokemon game on this list you know let's put up triangle strategy for now live live sits in this bottom category for now but it doesn't become red and we need to just yeah we'll we'll make a a decision yeah yeah um so i think i feel more passionately about stuff like bayonetta and pokemon than i do about kirby and i think kirby we've both played and kirby we both really like and kirby i think might not make the list i don't know how you feel about it like i would i I would love to have kirby on this list the first three hours of kirby was just like this is fantastic 
fantastic. Like, this is yeah. so good. And then there's a long period of that game where you're like, okay, here's now the, we're in the lava area, but now uh-huh. we're still, we're still using all the old <laughs> transformations. And, yeah. and then the ending hits, you're like, wow, that was a really cool ending. That was yeah. a really unexpected ending. Um, but then your my overall overriding feeling with the game is, God, the, the media are much hotter on this game than me, and I'm meant to be like a 3D platformer person. And like, we just have a you know higher taste, higher people, taste. You know? um, uh. I think the Mario Odyssey comparisons fall quite flat after the first three hours. And yeah, that's because it's not doing argue... new stuff, basically, right? Like Mario yeah. Odyssey is new, 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 new for ten hours, and Kirby is like new, 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 new for about three hours. Then it's like, uh, we're kind of gonna do the same thing for a few. But hours, a game yeah. like Tinykin reminds me that half the joy of odyssey is actually the exploration inside of the true. world yeah and it's not just about the abilities kirby's like here's the abilities but also we're not going to give you constant fresh abilities because that would just be crazy mm. and mario odyssey is like lol we've got fresh abilities plus we've got these large worlds plus we've got all this exploration go have fun mm-hmm. and tinykin and kirby make me realize i much prefer the exploration and that scope of 3d platforming perhaps more so than abilities and that's not not to say like the abilities in odyssey make the traversal and discovery more exciting but then a much more linear game like kirby makes you also realize you kind of need a larger world to explore with these abilities it's not sure there's a nice power trip when you become a uh, vending machine and start attacking enemies but you don't get that the fifth time you use that ability you get it like the first few times and then you're like "Eh." whereas when you turn into like a little bird in mario odyssey that you then like catapult yourself up to up vertically that never gets old and i think that it's easy to talk about abilities in the same scope but i think the abilities in odyssey are a hell of a lot more interesting and exciting than kirby and i like the evolution to weapons though it feels like a power trip that you go on and i know you didn't unlock all of them i did i unlocked every evolution every for all wow the yeah weapons. i just did yeah, a handful yeah. but yeah because i did all of the side um little missions where you get um coins or bonus stuff for doing all those little side uh extra bonus missions in the overworld um and they were they were all really fun they're just like mini challenges that you do based around each weapon and they each have like individual kind of um you know challenges that are crafted to those specific needs and um yeah i think it is a really i would look i would really like to see it on this top 10 it's just a question of can can we justify it over things yeah. you know i think kirby is really good but i think we have stronger individual passions for other we things. do it's the exact game um, i'd want to see at number 11 if it meant live live yes. was 10 but yeah i yeah. i i would make kirby red just now arguably but Ooh, i'm happy okay. to leave it in the discussion for now I think we have to make some choices. I think we have to start making choices yeah. here. And it's I think, the first big tough decision, but yeah. Yeah, I think we have to let Kirby go. It, it, I'm such a negative Nelly about the game. Honestly, I think it's a really great game. It's, it's really so, good. It's yeah. so good that Kirby is in 3D finally, and the music, the the level design is really good. I just wanted more abilities and more freshness in the middle of that game. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's still a really great game it's fantastic it's so so good it, it, um, what did it win it won family game of the year it was, it was yeah a, a worthy winner yeah so i think we have two slots left available for this list um i want one of them to be a pokemon game now you know 
in my own personal top 10 list i'm likely going to cheat and just put them both together because <laughs> that is very um, very cheating oh i don't give a shit it's my own <laughs> list i can do what i like yeah, i thought um, they were very different games but they the are but i think way. i think they both they both play in similar spaces because they're both expanding the idea of what a pokemon game can be in different ways but also in similar ways like open world is really the crux of both of these games you know and they both handle it slightly differently legends arceus being a bit more monster hunter style like segmented open world versus scarlet and violet which is true open world um Mm. i think i have to choose between these and for me i think that arceus probably takes it if only because it was the first one that did it and i think arceus goes further Arceus goes further than Scarlet and Violet does because it tries to change up the formula for what a Pokemon game could look like. Battle-wise beyond, as well. Yeah, but beyond just the traditional gym structure and stuff like yeah. that. And I know Scarlet and Violet switches things up. And in all honesty, I think I probably enjoyed Scarlet and Violet more just because the new Pokemon, Arceus is obviously, it's all old Pokemon, right? So there's no there's no freshness from that perspective. Mm. But I think it's... If Scarlet and Violet ran well, would it be above Arceus in a heartbeat? Or I don't necessarily think so no because i think that what arceus does from a gameplay level the the very idea of just being able to sneak around grass and physically throw a pokeball at something without having to throw something out to fight it to reduce its hp and like having little tactics that go around that where i remember a video i took of baiting a pokemon over with like um you know some kind of uh berry or whatever right like it, it feel arceus make pokemon feel alive in the way that they're moving around and they're living and they will react to things and they will fucking attack you you know you see an ursa ring and it gets mad and it will run into you and it can knock you the fuck out and you have to go back to a, a campsite you know like it actually feels there's a danger to the world in arceus that is really cool and just like the idea i think i can't remember what it was but there's a really hard to catch pokemon and i was like very slowly waiting for it to turn around because they're different balls have different properties so the heavy balls when you throw them they barely go anywhere it's like trying to throw a really heavy shot put and it goes like less than a meter in front of you that's what these heavy balls are like and there's a mega heavy balls that are even better and you get a higher chance of catching a pokemon if you catch it from behind and so i was just waiting for my moment it's hiding in this grass this pokemon comes it turns around and i just slowly sneak out and throw this really heavy ball at it and it's really hard to catch pokemon but because i have that you know advantage of being behind it it didn't see me and i'm so close and i got the heavy ball to hit i caught it first time and i was like holy shit that feels so good right it's so different and it gives me a different type of satisfaction than other pokemon games do and i think it's hard because i've played skull and violet so much more recently that the freshness of the new pokemon and the weird ending of that game and like some of the narrative elements are really cool like there's loads of great stuff Scarlet and violet is doing i still think Scarlet and violet has room for improvement with like the towns are big but they're empty there's like nowhere you can go and interesting there's no side quests that are interesting you know i i see there's improvement i see there's more improvement i think for scarlet and violet leaving aside the technical issues i I see from a gameplay perspective they've really nailed it but I, i i still think there's even more room for improvement and arceus i think also has room for improvement but i think it it impacted me more it surprised me more out the gate and i think arceus like brought me back to the franchise in a way that scarlet and violet i don't know that scarlet and violet um i would have been as excited for if arceus hadn't happened because arceus showed a blueprint for what could be possible and then they kind of built a little bit on top of that and, and changed certain things but you know um 
I, I do think Arceus is probably the one I want to uh, vouch for here, so I would like to have that in the top 10. Should we do one up, one down? Yeah, so let's move Arceus up, I think, and let's move Pokemon Scarlet and Violet let's down. Do um, and yeah, you know, Scarlet and Violet still really good. Probably, in, if we're talking like traditional Pokemon games, the best in a decade by far. Um, and if it didn't have the technical issues, it's another thing of like, do we really want to reward the game with its technical issues? I don't know. It feels a little bit bad as well. But um, Arceus is a better looking game and it's a better running game. Um, and and it just really feels innovative. Do, um, do you think they would have got any less stick for Scarlet and Violet had Arceus come out with either not come out or come out with more issues you know what i mean like did they prove that oh yeah you can actually do like pokemon open world and it run okay yeah. on switch and then then to drop the ball later in the year yeah well i think Arceus, as i said it's more segmented and there are some frustrations with that where like i can't go from one hub to another hub i can't just fast travel on the map which is stupid i have to go back to the mm. main base area then i have to go out again and the other thing i forgot to mention like the side quests in Arceus are so good like they're little um, they actually have characters with like interesting things that live in the village and they ask you like weird stuff about what type of Pokemon they want to see and stuff like because no one everyone's afraid of Pokemon at this point right it's set in the past and so no one knows what's going on and everyone's like terrified of them as like dangerous creatures and stuff and people just want to know things people want to research them people want to people are like can you find a big one of these and you've got to go find a big one and like there's there's like a farming patch where you get pokemon and you put them on the farming patch and stuff like that there's lots of interesting little things um that make it stand out uh and made me want to go and do all the side quests like there's a bit of a traditional open world side quest thing to it that all the side quests are really engaging and fun and yeah i I think thinking back back on it more now because i had forgotten a lot of this stuff because it's been so long it's literally the start of this year it's so good it's really good so i want to reward it so we should have it on this list Okay. The question is, what else makes it on? Uh, and, you know, I would love it to be Bayonetta 3, but I appreciate you have Live Alive here that you really want to vouch for. So um, it's it's hard. Uh, it's a hard question. Um, I, I'm going to say AI of the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. Loved it. Love these games. I don't think it's as good as the first one, personally. Um, and I think the first one, I already gave its flowers in my uh, my goatee tea Dakota list last time. And... Um, I yeah I think that that game could have had a bit more punch to its main narrative the twist is very cool but as I said it's more of a meta twist and so it doesn't really affect the characters so much as it affects the player and I, I wish something had affected the characters a bit more but I, I still think it's really good um, I just I think it's going to be very hard for me to get it on this list given what we already have um, and given that I think you're very much wanting Live Live on here and I very much want Bayonetta on here and we kind of have to make a hard choice, I think. So okay. um, I'm sense. going to move uh, AI Something Files down. Um, but yeah, I think it's tremendously good still. Very, very enjoyable. Um, okay. What do we do? Is there anything you want to move down if we want to move both these up? Like, is it a I question think... of you want Live Alive if I've got Triangle Strategy there? Or is it, do I have <laughs> I to make a Triangle there's Strategy? There's a number of options. Decisions? Yeah. Either we go for one or the other. Yeah. Or we go for neither. We pull something we maybe agree on more jointly from down below. Okay. Or we pull something from up top down yeah. and both get in. I think those are the three options. I don't think we can pull anything from up top down, can we? 
I don't looking, think so. Looking at these it's games, too, it's I too solid. It's, it's too agreed. I think all those games we've already talked about, apart from maybe the top four, to some degree, where yeah, we're like, right, they definitely need to be there. So I don't think that's happening. You're right. Yeah. And if there was a game we'd jointly push up, I think it would probably be Kirby. It'd be Kirby, and but like, do you feel good about that? I don't feel great about I that. I would feel better with one of these other two. Yeah. Tell me about Bayonetta 3. I know you talked about I mean, it I just did. Segment, yeah, I think I like... just did. I think the other thing to mention about Bayonetta 3 that I didn't talk about was the weapons. There are so many fucking weapons in this game that are just bonkers. One of them is a microphone, okay? And Bayonetta just sings in this microphone uh, and you just swing it around like a weirdo. Uh, one of them, one of the summons in this game is a literal fucking clock tower, okay? This clock tower comes out the ground and just starts attacking enemies. It has arms, it has uh, machine guns on it, it has laser beams, it's a fucking clock tower. Uh, another weapon is... Um, there are these two fans that you use and you kind of use them like a bird like a kind of like weird ostrich um there's these giant fucking slabs that you use there's a train a train is a weapon there's this giant fucking thing that has razor blades on it that you hit people with and it's a big slow weapon and then if you combo with it you literally turn into a train and start smashing into people as a train um it goes off the ra- literally off the rails when it comes to <laughs> these weapons and i really think they add such a fresh fun variety every level i was switching up my weapon because i was getting new ones and all that sort of stuff and it was, it's fun because it's kind of a multiverse story so you see different versions of bayonetta like there's the egyptian version of bayonetta and there's uh, bayonetta who's a magician that's another one you get a magician's hat with a with a staff and you start throwing bats at people like doing magic basically and then you also take pictures like with a camera it's it's just fucking weird like all these weapons are um such a fun element of the game that i think really brought it up um for me and just made it made it feel different when you're playing through and and, and fresh and do you prefer yeah. it to two i i don't know because the thing with two was it was such a unique new experience for me and i kind of blasted through it and i don't remember a lot about two if i'm honest right i played it on easy and i you know i just kind of like smashed buttons and didn't think too much and i was like wow this is crazy stuff happening um I think two probably as I said has a bit bigger spectacle at the end but the thing is like there's just such variety in three like there's a moment where you know Madam Butterfly you, you know your big your big god lady you turn into her and she's literally the size of I don't know a city and she's just like lying in the clouds and you're being attacked by helicopters and tanks and she's just like blowing bubbles as if she's in a bubble bath and you're controlling this it's like a shooter and you're shooting out these bubbles and these bubbles are destroying these fucking enemies that are coming at you and there's another section where you're literally on a tank and a giant dragon is tracing you and you're shooting it with the machine guns from it um there's a section where it turns into a top-down shmup um and you're going through these tunnels and avoiding all this stuff there's a section where uh you turn into you have a summon who's a frog and the frog turns into a beautiful opera singer with an umbrella and the music the opera singer sings coincides with these bats that are flying at you and you have to press a b uh, sorry uh b x and y to switch to these mirrors which block bats coming at you but you block them in rhythm as she's singing so she, the idea is she's singing these bats to death because you're kind of rhythmically stopping them with these kind of bubble shields around you so it just becomes a rhythm game um i think that variety for me is what makes it stand above two 
uh two has big spectacle and big fights uh, but this i think has more different stuff every time you jump like every time i jumped into a level i was always like oh it's probably just going to be you know some fights going through this place but it would constantly surprise me every single time and i think for me that's why i like it so much and yeah i think it's it's very very good all right um i could probably sacrifice live alive and then we can stick being there three in there do you, but, do you need do you need a trade of some kind later to, to I'm, do I'm that just sacrifice? About to say, yeah, I might need a little help with boosting something later or something. Okay. I don't know. Mm, I, I, don't, mm. I can't tell what it's going to be yet. Yeah, can we reach that conclusion? Maybe. Yeah, my only. I just don't. I think it's silly, but I kind of don't want to have two HD two D games on this list. That's my only reason not having <laughs> so live. Like, I, but I hear yeah. You. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. We've not got um, two Pokemon games. We've not got no. two two the HD games. Yeah, so. you know, okay. like I think, like the variety speaks. That's that's kind of the reason I would like, and I'm totally fine to have Bayonetta lower down the list. That's totally cool. Um, but I do think, and maybe it's just because I've just re- literally finished it last night, um, and I'm still kind of living in the afterglow of Bayonetta right. three. But um, yeah, I, mean, I, really I think already it. compared to where Bayonetta two was on like your list yes. when it came out, and like yeah. I think that's the case for a lot of people, to be honest. I think there's yeah. there's just a level of chatter about Bayonetta 3, which was so different to 2. and Yeah. It's hard. Right. Um, Is that all right. top 10, well, then? Have I we counted have, it right? We have 10 games. Um, Shall we take a break and come back and uh, go through them? But do you want to read through what we have at the yes. moment? Yes, we'll 10 games back. in no particular order, other than maybe this top 4, but we can get to that mm. later. Our Xenoblade 3, Tunic, Citizen Sleeper, Cuphead the Delicious Last Course, Splatoon 3, Oli Oli World, Tinykin, Triangle Strategy, Pokemon Legends Arceus, and Bayonetta 3. Ship it. That's it. Xenoblade is number one. Perfect. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, all right. Well, we'll be back after this quick break uh, to order this list and come to a consensus on what our game of the year truly is. See you in a bit.
And we're back uh, for the final part of this process, uh, wherein we are going to be figuring out an order for this list, a numbered order, uh, so that we can count them down uh, from uh, 10 to 1. Uh, and we we just uh, went through them before the break, uh, but uh, Bally, do you want to go through them again just to keep it in top of mind? Yes, our 10 games in no particular order as it stands are Xenoblade 3, Tunic, Zizzin Sleeper, Cuphead the Delicious Last Course, Splatoon 3, Oli Oli World, Tinykin, Triangle Strategy, Pokemon Legends Arceus, and Bayonetta 3. Lovely stuff. Um, it really was the year of the threes, wasn't it? Three <laughs> Nintendo threes in here in this yes. list, uh, which is <laughs> tremendous to see that uh, trilogies are hitting their stride um, for sure, which is very, very good. So I think the bottom of this list might be a little easier. Um, I feel like the order we currently have for Bayonetta, Pokemon and Triangle Strategy probably makes sense. You know, like it's a yeah, question they're all of the, um, the one-sided you've played but i've not played yeah, games yeah. whereas i've played everything else barring xenoblade 3 mm-hmm. so and i think i would be hung drawn and quartered for just suggesting tiny kin goes below you know any of these <laughs> games so uh that's probably yeah i'd struggle with that yeah. but if you want to make a case you can make a case yeah i i don't know i mean i think i already made a case for like all of these games in different ways um i think for me triangle strategy is the one that stands out as like i really relished the strategy of that experience and you know it has its drawbacks certainly but i i think it's a game that i would want to go back to you know i talk i think we talked about the start this year of like well what if what if i only owned a switch and i didn't play on anything else you know i would probably in all honesty have put a hundred hours into rcs and into triangle strategy because that's all i would have been playing on switch right Mm. um so i think that that says a lot it speaks a lot you mean you wouldn't have been playing any xenoblade 3 well, no, I'm talking about the start of the year. Okay, right. That's when these came out <laughs> at the start check. of the year. No, 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 yeah. Because, like, I wouldn't have been playing Elden Ring or I wouldn't have been yeah, playing, you know, you, other games, you know. Um, if I was just still a, a, a fresh-faced little Nintendo boy and hadn't yes. ventured out into any like other arenas. Like me four years arenas. ago, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> then, then I would have just... And if I wasn't doing this podcast, right? Because if I wasn't doing this podcast, I probably would just put more time into fewer games, you know. Definitely. Um, so, Triangle Strategy and Arceus... I think because I know that about myself, I would have done that. I think they representationally deserve to be up here for those merits also. So, um, yeah, I think I'm comfortable with saying Bayonetta at number 10, Legends Arceus at number 9, and Triangle Strategy at number 8. Um, unless you, Bally, have any thoughts about what you think my opinions of those games are and whether you think they should be in a different order, but I, I think that's okay. I don't okay. know. I think that's pretty fair, I think. Um I do think these other games are maybe just, if we're talking about joint love of them for like yeah. from the show, I think they are probably a cut above. So I think that's probably a pretty yeah. fair ten nine eight. Uh, I know you don't want to play Bayonetta three, but of Triangle Strategy and Legends Arceus, which one are you more interested in playing? Uh, Triangle be... Strategy. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Okay, um, I I'd be tempted to try Legends Arceus. I'm more tempted to play Scarlet Violet, honestly. Really? Um, okay. With an update, uh, I don't know. I, Maybe you're swinging me around to wanting to play Arceus more. And I know that's already running better than uh, Scarlet Violet. So that's also an yeah, appeal. Yeah, Arceus already runs great. You know, they prioritize frame rate. And like sometimes it, it makes distance not, you know, draw and stuff like that not as good. But I think it, I think it probably benefits the overall package. Yeah. Like that. Um, but I'm yeah, hoping I, like Triangle Strategy is maybe a little bit of the Advance Wars itch. And maybe that could have been something. I don't know. And, 
Yeah. Where's, where's Reboot Camp? That's why I wanted to know. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. List. Would have been a very different Game of the Year list if Reboot <laughs> yeah. Camp had come out, you know? Um, yeah. If we'd counted it for this list. Yeah, sure. We, it's a re- it's a would have been debatable, so. but yeah. Um, Live Live counts, though, because it never came out in the West. Live so. Live counts, yeah. yeah. I'm happy the, for this 10 to 8. Okay. I'd go also and jump in and say I think Tinykin is a good 7. I don't, I don't oh, really? Think. You're okay with leaving it there? I think so. I think we've got a lot... I mean... Do you prefer Splatoon 3 and Oli Oli World to Tinykin? I mean, Absolutely, I definitely yes. prefer Tinykin over yeah. those two games, but... Um... I, in fact, would push Oli Oli World higher. Um, it's going to feature probably on my own top 10. I don't think Splatoon 3 makes my own top 10 uh, with all the other games. Um, yeah, personally. Splatoon 3 is on the border for me, yeah. and then Tinykin's definitely in there. And yeah. I don't think Oli Oli World's in my top 10. Wow, okay. Yeah. Damn, 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 damn. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think Oli Oli World is a tremendous game. Like, it just, it's so, it just feels so good, you know? But in this discussion, do we agree that the top four are cut above what we're discussing now? We're I not, think We're not so, pushing yeah. anything up or down. I we mean, we, we, we made the decision pretty quickly on those, and I think that speaks yeah. to their quality. Um, yeah. So I think that, that probably makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy if you want to try and push Tiny Kin up, but I would put Splatoon 3 kind of maybe a bit lower in that case. I, I'd be happy with that. We can go Splatoon 3, then Tinykin, then Oli Oli World. So Going Splatoon 3 at 7. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then Tinykin at 6. Yes. Oli Oli World at 5. Yeah. Yeah, you happy with that? Yeah. I think... So talk about Splatoon 3. I think it being on this list anyway is an achievement enough given... Definitely. Given, you know, that it's an iterative sequel. Um I just thought that single player was outstanding. Yeah, no, I really like, did. N- solid Nintendo energy. The award last year goes to Metroid Dread. This yes. year probably goes to like Splatoon 3 in terms uh-huh. of like that final boss and those final levels of like that campaign. It's like, this is just like good modern Nintendo game design. Like, this it's fucking is awesome. You, know, you, you get like little doses of this every year, honestly. And mm-hmm. like, that's where they injected a lot of that energy this year. And it really shows yeah it really does um yeah any any more words to say on tinykin uh and its placement here uh we need more open expansive platforming uh with interesting ways of platforming around the space and discovery mm-hmm. because tinykin reminded me that oh yeah mario odyssey is just fantastic and yeah it was just a really great game nice mm-hmm. nice length as well it wasn't too long it was just the right length for me yeah it's, it's it's great uh and i i wish it hadn't made me motion sick um because yeah. again it's similar to like portal where i'm like i'm really enjoying this i want to play this longer but i i have to just not i have to stop myself after like an hour because otherwise i will move into that weird uh headache uh sphere which i can't i can't deal with so yeah um yeah it's it's really good like i think just simple stuff like just collecting the is it wax i don't i, I just called it like it's, golden um, popcorn pollen pollen that's it i just yeah. call it golden pop just the, the, the golden popcorn the satisfying feeling of getting the golden popcorn and just the the way in which it almost has a bit of metroid design where like you find the silkworms and yeah. the the string of those like connect there's always usually like a central hub and like outside areas and you use those as grind rails to get yeah. back it's to really clever quickly. for like a 3d platform where like yeah just this is how we warp between parts of the world mm-hmm. you know there's not like a separate menu you go to or anything it's just no. like no you just grind along this bit of thread yeah like, instead of having great. like fast travel it just it makes 
you're always you're never too far away from one of those threads so you can easily get around quite quickly to places you need to be it reminds Um, me of here's the deep cut yoku's island express which is like a pinball metroidvania there's um there's like shortcuts in that world where you literally just jump into like a it's almost like a tube and the tube will just suck you up and spit you out but it's like in world you don't like go to a menu or anything to do it it's just like in it's like the shortcut just to get to this point in the world it mm-hmm. just felt a bit like that in the 3d space um yeah good stuff it's really great um and all the only world i think like i don't think i've had more fun than that one level going back and forth with you this <laughs> yeah. year oh my god oh, it was that was good just a twitter thread of just like yeah. dropping numbers <laughs> of like uh-huh we started out and i was like look at this i got twelve thousand. if you like, told us at the start what our eventual scores would be we'd yeah. be shocked if you told us we both would hit the top 30 in the world of <laughs> yes. that level yeah exactly that's where yeah. we got to like yeah. i was watching the ghosts of the number one player just to get tactics to get ahead of bali basically <laughs> like it was so funny though because i was like hey look at this score and you're like i just beat it i got twenty thousand i'd be like i got fifty thousand you're like i have 170 i'm like i have 290 and it's just <laughs> just escalation i think i i hit like seven or eight hundred thousand points i don't think i broke a million but i think right. i got like 700 and something k and i think you'd never got back to me after that I think yeah that I th- you yeah, kind of yeah. gave in the towel at that point but um it was a great challenge and i think we should do that again i think we yeah. should you know maybe if neon if we both play neon white that would be a oh, that, back oh and yes. forth on. well pc um, versus switch but yeah that's true that's true <laughs> yeah um but anyway ollie ollie world uh what a great saga i loved it it was it was awesome um okay so we have our top four here uh how we feel about it bally uh the question is three tunic (laughs) citizen sleeper and cuphead the delicious last course yeah um i think four is the highest cuphead can go personally um i don't know how you feel but uh i'd agree i think i look I think Cuphead in some ways is the best game I played this year. You know, <laughs> like if it wasn't a DLC, like I'm all, all, personally, I'm kind of going back and forth if I want to include it in my own list just because of the DLC. I, thing. I'm going to, I will personally. Yeah. I, will. I, and it's high up. I think it's like a number one game. <laughs> if it's not a DLC, you know, like <laughs> it is impeccable. It's fucking perfect. Yeah, it's glorious. It makes you remember, oh yeah, Cuphead is like just this incredible game that came out. And yes, it's been a very long time since that game came out on Switch. What, did it come out in 2018? I think a year after its original release. And yeah. the original release was 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So 2018 on Switch. I remember playing it in Japan and like, yeah, like, but to come back and then these bosses are actually better than the bosses in the in the original game as well, mm-hmm. generally. And then there's like its own secrets and the levels where you're not even fighting a traditional boss the traditional way and you're literally just like platforming and retaliating like the, the, the pink things, like the chess pieces, I should say. Like, I loved those as well. They were just fantastic. And like... There's a lot of game here. I think there's like five to seven hours, depending on your skill level here. And it was just... And, and because it was its own island as well, it does feel a little more standalone. And that, that does give it a sense of it's its own thing, which feels nice when you are playing DLC, I find, generally. Um, and I think that 
yes this game was talked about a lot of the time and but in game of the year discussions people don't really talk about dlc in the same way so no the fact that others won't talk about it in game of the year is all the more reason i'm like yes we need to shout from the rooftops about this dlc because it's yeah it's really that good and i think four is appropriate i think again i think the only reason is that the other games on this are for me just a cut above in different ways you know yeah um not that i played xenoblade 3 but yeah uh-huh uh yeah but we'll get to that uh, <laughs> uh, i think cuphead is if we're talking about just like is there a perfect video game i think the dlc for cuphead makes a case of being a literal perfect video game like <laughs> yeah. it's just it's fucking flawless like even the addition of those those weird tower levels where you go up the ladder and you go and you, you fight the um you do all the parry stuff those parrying levels were so much fun and like a big improvement i think mm. on the 2d side scrolling levels which i did enjoy in the main game but yeah. i do think that those parry levels were like it really lent into the strengths of what that game does yeah the chess um, pieces parry levels like that was something i had no idea even existed before like playing the game i thought mm-hmm. like right we're gonna get five six more just tra- traditional boss fights it's yeah. gonna be great even if it was just that, I think it would be high on our list. But the fact they just had this other level of, as you say, I think it mixes up the formula a lot more nicely than just the the 2D platforming levels that the first main game had. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Like, it was just like a cut above that made it just very cool. And then there's like a final boss. There's even like a hidden final boss, which was also very fun. Really enjoyed that fight. And really innovative, well-designed stuff again. Again... I always think this game, like, you're so focused on the mechanics of it that it can be hard to sit back and enjoy the majesty of the of the art design, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, I definitely think it's a game that's also worth watching some streamers or some Let's Plays yeah. of people. Because there are so many details that you Looking miss. at the minutiae of the details, exactly. Yeah. Especially yeah. on, like, say, the giant fight. Like, there's, like, these little yeah. gnomes that run around it and they, right. they, they're they the ones that poke the thing through. And it, yeah. Hard to explain. When but... he pulls off his beard and that's oh, under God. the level, like, oh, there's so many, like, And then you go into his things. mouth and then you're fighting, yeah. like, his uvula. Yeah, his uvula is the boss. Oh, like, it's, it's such, a, such a good fight. Um, and, well, I think one of the things that benefits Cuphead's difficulty is that you, because you die a lot, you end up fighting them a lot. And so you can almost pay attention to those details. So, like, every time yeah. you get through a phase, you're like, oh, I'm going to look at this part of the screen instead, you know? Um, mm-hmm. If you remember to do so, because usually you're sweating like crazy just trying to get through it in yeah. the first place. And when you um, die, the little meter showing how close you were to the next checkpoint mm-hmm. or defeating the boss, like, very simple stuff, but very satisfying just, yeah. again such strong game design super interested to see what the studio does next i know it will be another decade before we see it but you know <laughs> hey take your time uh if 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 they took their time oh, it was like four years five years to make this dlc you know you can see you can just taste the quality uh it's it's very apparent so yeah tremendous work cuphead so we've got three games here bally top um, three question is how how much can i get away with is the question yeah um i mean xenoblade 3 is my number one with a fucking bullet and like <laughs> unquestionably um but i appreciate that you know we both love these other two games as well so it's a question of where do, where do things land you know um how do you feel bally uh, um if it was just me i'd obviously put xenoblade 3 well it wouldn't be on the list i've not played of course, it but yeah, um yeah. i tunic's my game of the year like tunic mm-hmm. is is really really special i'd have it at number one in a heartbeat um and citizen sleeper deserves to be up here so yeah it'd be my number two um 
And even on the non-tender list, Citizen Sleeper makes it it's very high on my list. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, maybe we just talk through each game. Yes. And then we just kind of figure it out. Citizen um, Sleeper. Yeah, Citizen just, Sleeper. It gets the point it's trying to make across. It It, it does a narrative that it, it, it demonstrates through video game mechanics. And I think we, and again, that, that demonstrates it's like a unique form of storytelling mm-hmm. when in video games, when you can blend narrative and mechanics in a unique way that only video games can do. And I love it for that. But And it's not just doing that. It's doing it at multiple levels where there are the stresses and strains of your character uh, owing someone money. And then there's like a counter in days that tell you, like, in this number of days, they're going to basically come and kill you. Or you need to grow stuff on, like, in your greenhouse. You grow your mushrooms, grow your fungi. And it's a bit more like Stardew Valley, those mechanics, where it is a lot more relaxed. And it's like, I'm growing stuff to make Mm -hmm. these, to trade, to make money. But then you've also got the stress of, oh, I need to, like, essentially pay my rent and there's like right. there's like this this payment so you got all these different i say all these different meters there's a bounty hunter after you at one point there's like multiple stresses that yes kind of inflict upon you and multiple timers that are always in motion and yeah. in play and you have some control over what you can do but ultimately it's a it's about survival in those initial opening yeah. parts and it's like you have to decide between medicine and between you know safe place to sleep or like food or whatever mm. and like it's it, the way that it uses those and the way that it narratively gets across that feeling through your limited resources and your limited abilities um it's just exceptional work but, you know but even me not being at there's one mission i failed where i couldn't pay the guy my yeah. rent or something and like i felt sorry for him because it wasn't like he was some very wealthy landlord or something like he was just trying to get by as well yeah and i definitely felt that guilt where i couldn't pay him and there was some line he said when that mission failed, like, "Oh well, I thought I was, I was hoping more." I, and then he says something like, "Don't worry about it. I'm sure." He says something along the lines of, "I'm sure I'll be able to make ends meet." And but yeah. he says it in a way where you know he won't, kind of thing. And yeah. you're left feeling, yeah. "Oh god, that was a real gut punch." <laughs> like, right, like it's a um, game where failure is just moved on from, and you just have to deal with the consequences of failure. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, which I think and is yeah, tremendous. like affording medicine and stuff like this. And there's so much to stress about, but there is joy in overcoming a lot of those challenges and mm-hmm. interacting with so many different characters and how they live in this. It's, it's quite a cyberpunky kind of world, I guess. Um, and it's just an immaculately told story with so many different yeah. quest lines that, and they all link to that core day night cycle. Um, yeah. It's an incredibly impressive game. The writing um, is just like on another level. It is, I think, again, something that I don't really shout out much about this game, but it is such a whole part of the experience. The music is awesome. Like it is, it's so understated, but it like has that melancholic feeling, that kind of ethereal space vibe. And it's just, it's such a good accompaniment to the writing, especially with like characters like Emphis at the bar, who you get your noodles from at the beginning. Yeah. And he's like, hey, sleeper tell me a story right like and and he's kind of like open ear to you as you kind of like relay memories of your former life because you're basically you're an android but you're created from the the memories or like the uh the brain of somebody who is trying to make their own ends meet you know by selling their themselves essentially as a worker in this this way but you're also different from that person you aren't that person you're your own being and 
yeah all those things and then the ending of his story where he kind of tells you about his life and his background like hits so fucking hard man it's, it's such a tremendously set up game and like i think for me the, the nice payoff about that is you talk to him a bunch at the beginning and it takes you a long time because he wants these specific mushrooms right and you go, don't get these specific mushrooms until right near the end of the game and so you almost come full circle with him and he becomes this kind yes. of like this kind of loop back to the beginning and um so many characters so many different endings and options you have to like do i leave the station here do i do this or do i do that and for me i never left until right at the very end um the last choice that i had with the the characters that i cared the most about and like it was the perfect ending for me like it really just sent it off in such a beautiful way i think this game is it just so so good and you know in a year when narrative games have really come to the forefront with stuff like norco and um with pentiment um it really for me is the one that stands head and shoulders above the rest uh on so many levels i think just as you said mechanically with the dice rolls and the way that that factors into like some days you wake up and you know you just you're just not there and and that is represented in like the ones and twos that you'll have and you're like mm. well i can't really just do much today it's kind of a wash you know and, and that's just how life is sometimes. but there's also a gamble when you attempt to do stuff with those low yes, dice rolls and exactly. they can really in, you can injure yourself essentially yeah, um, totally. and really hurt yourself and that would cost you a lot more in the long run so. yeah making bad decisions making risky mm-hmm. decisions just for the sake of trying to stay alive in this world um yeah i i highly strongly recommend people check this out i feel like it uh, there's a good amount of people talking about it but i still think it's flying under the radar for certain people so yeah it's it's so so good and deserves to be recognized so definitely yeah uh but i guess it's not getting higher than these top two yeah i don't think so and here's the thing bali i would be an asshole and and try and debate you uh to get xenoblade 3 be number one but i don't think that would be representative of our combined list hey i and dropped I, live live for this yeah this exactly year, okay? exactly <laughs> no i totally get it and bali like the 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 night when i discovered what the golden path was <laughs> yeah. i don't think i will have a memory like that in video games for a long time yeah. i felt like a fucking madman i literally stayed up until 2 a.m going around the world looking at these things and being like oh shit this means that that means this i following these fucking fairies around to these hidden areas to do these puzzles with these things and just the whole thing and then putting it together and each element slotting into place having this madman fucking map that i was looking at on my sheet of paper with scrawls and letters and just everything and then entering it inputting it and the thing opening and me being just like elated it is like (laughs) tunic i think for me the thing that holds it back is the start of the game not the start of the game but like there's a kind of a middle point of the game where it's very combat focused and you are kind of just going through like the last area trying to get the last kind of like you know it's like uh, ocarina of time where you get the three gems right to open the Mm -hmm. temple of time you're kind of doing that and you do that and then you get there and there's lots of hard fights and i was like okay like i'm enjoying this and it's really good And i think a lot of the kind of the manual just the whole the the idea of the manual is great and i think that is such a it's like one of the layers of secrets in this game the original bread coming bread crumbing crumbing in that first five yeah um hours i'd say is like um like very well done by the manual like that that feel it feels like perfect just small bits of secrets like gradually rolling them out and you're learning about the world and it's a very tight-knit world that in and of itself is like a zelda game 
beyond what zelda 2d zelda's ever done like that 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 already just that little little bit little thing is interesting i agree with you on the combat i i i jived a lot more with the combat i was very i liked it a lot i don't think i still think the combat of like a ton of other top d zelda style games like i don't know death store high flight drifter um unsighted as unsighted well, yeah. exactly i think they all have stronger combat agreed um, yes I, th- this game well and the combat could have been a little less brutal because mm-hmm. I, it's mechanically not quite what it needs to be for what no. it's going for but there's like I a still... lot there's a kind of brutal difficulty like i so i missed the gun i never got the gun in this game and i think that didn't help me against the boss of that kind of crystal yeah. area that third boss um i i think i fought him for about an hour and eventually i was like this is pointless let me just get through this because i want to see because people have been talking about other stuff in this game and let me just get through and see that stuff and um so i and that's the the nice thing about tunic is it it's fine with you doing that it's like yeah. go ahead turn on invincibility see if i can it's the combat in that sense and the brutality of it's actually a lot like Elden ring and like yeah but mechanically it's not quite there compared I, to the game honestly like i think tunic's harder than Elden ring on yeah. a combat level like it really <laughs> is like it, it just it it was very difficult for me to get into but um you know that as you saying like the, the manual at that point in the game has like little secrets of like when i got the page where i was like oh hold down this button for a period of time mm. when you're at the oh. specific place i was like oh i could have done yeah. this the whole time yeah oh you know the and, reveals um, are so satisfying yeah and those are just the little reveals you know and then and then fucking shit gets real man then shit gets real and you know after i had done it i remember you know getting on skype with you that night and be like all right bally i don't want to tell you what it is but i need to get you in a direction to where you need to think about what's going on here and it took a while and there were a lot of dead ends and i was like i just i can't i want you to try and get to it it's so hard to like say it without saying it um and i think eventually we found a way i think i might have told you a bit more than i wanted to but uh eventually yeah, I, 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 I set you i set you on the path i set you on the golden path and then i let you run and i let you do the rest and um yeah. it's it, i think it is the greatest puzzle in video games like oh, it yeah. is yeah. it is so tremendous and outstanding and satisfying and it is the definition of hidden in plain sight and when you realize what is going on just chef's kiss holy yeah. shit it's <laughs> god it's so good um so I think that's an argument for why Tunic should be our joint, uh, probably. Yeah, the, uh... it's it's really good. Without even all that Golden Path stuff, I think this game would be damn high on my list, if not the top. But with it, it's for me a lock. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's really really special. And I I like I said, I jived with the combat a lot more. I got stuff like the gun. I I beat every single boss in this game, barring the absolute final final boss. Um, and you don't even have to beat them. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't I, so. <laughs> yeah i didn't um so it it, this game is just so phenomenal and i remember playing the demo and we were both a bit like it's fine and and the thing about that demo was it was it was basically purely mechanical like there wasn't there wasn't like working out any of the secrets and um and because it was in like a specific part of the world it wasn't like we were discovering different parts of the world which is also like a joy of this game where you're like look at this new area and how it links to this area and the secrets of getting to this area and yeah i that trajectory of just it on the face of it it seems like it's like zelda where yeah you collect the three things it progresses to the next stage but even doing those things is done in such a unique subtle interesting mm-hmm. different way just like um, the the perspective of the world design and how it hides stuff from yes. you you know like 
because that plays into some of the later puzzles as well of like there's a part of a wall that then oh goes around a corner and yes. there's more stuff on the side of the wall you know like stuff like that is that um, you don't you don't notice when you're playing through because as i said everything is hidden in plain sight it's yes. crazy it's really crazy and it actually reveals um an incredibly dark narrative that is yeah darker than anything in any zelda honestly um mm-hmm. and darker than most games of that style i can think of um yeah super dark but the true ending is great though right like the way that it wraps it up ending. is really 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 really, beautiful. really true ending um yeah. i just oh it's amazing love it um, absolutely love it and of course xenoblade chronicles 3 my personal game of the year one of my favorite games of all time i mean what more can i say about this game i've gushed about it endlessly on this show but it, i i wanted something from this series that would recapture the feeling that i had in the first game of that adventure that sense of the world and the characters and the narrative all of it coming together and xenoblade 2 just didn't do it you know xenoblade 2 is a great game and it has fantastic combat but i didn't care about any of the people i think i thought the voice acting was not great the writing just wasn't there and they just it feels like they looked at that game and they're like okay what if we make a true sequel to the first game and xenoblade 3 feels like that in every fucking sense and then some like this is the best cast in any of those games it's one of my favorite casts in rpgs generally the whole idea that you fight with all six at once is just like it sounds like it would be chaos and in some ways it kind of is chaos but it's like a fun chaos and it connects you even more so to them and, and what they're going through in their journey because it is this is a story rich with emotion and meaningful moments and from the beginning it's just a premise that gets you this idea that these people live in this world they live for 10 years they're born at age 10 basically and then they die and then there's nothing you can do about it and this whole like the sense of what do you do with that time what is is it meaningful like what do you leave behind um the whole idea of mio having such little time left and how that plays into their relationships and everything going on it is filled with moments of pure joy and awe but sadness and just depression and just absolute hopelessness chapter five is maybe my favorite sequence in all of games narratively it is absolutely untouchable just goes above and beyond uh on a level that i have hardly seen games attempt um and the the way music ties into the narrative of this game is so special like the flute the how what the flute represents the way in which the two uh sides of the conflict their melodies intertwine with one another to create that sense of symbiosis it is just divine like how it, it like weaves its way into the story and just leaves you speechless in so many moments the the even just the hype moments of boss fights where like i've never been that into like music that's for bosses generally in games because i don't think it kind of sweeps my sensibilities but these boss fight music fucking incredible stuff just like stratospherically on another level which is why i'm so even more annoyed that it, it didn't win best music at the game awards it's just like how can you listen to this and not just be in awe of what yasunori mitsuda and his team have put together because it is it's just absolutely stunning um you know the the sense of scale the thing that i love about xenoblade the whole exploration of the world there are the places you go to that are just like how is this this fucking huge it just defies belief um it the the there are bigger games out there but i don't think there is any series any game that gives you that sense of size in the same way that xenoblade does it's just truly remarkable uh, when it comes to that stuff 
um and combat wise it just feels sublime it's a distillation of what they've built up to from the mmo style with two adding in a much more kind of streamlined version and now having that play into it with the ouroboros forms chain attacks are just off off the chain frankly like you can absolutely destroy this game with chain attacks i know a lot of people were annoyed that you know you can over level very easily and stuff like that and i certainly ran into it a little bit and i definitely held back on the bonus experience because if you go whole hog with that you're just going to be super over leveled but um i kind of like kept it at a good pace and the holy shit like side quests have always been bad in xenoblade and like they're the one thing in the series where you're like ah yeah you can kind of ignore them there are lots of fetch quests and stuff every colony you go to like i have identifiable npcs from each colony and each colony is so different there are so many of them and each side quest is like worth doing they all have interesting stories to them adding on the heroes having the idea of these heroes that join along with your quest and each of them have fully voice acted side quests that feel like if you don't do them you're missing out on main stuff like some of them like a sharer's one uh, that you do you have two of them you have like an ascendant quest as well so you have like multiple of these like one of my favorite moments in the game and just the characters I, I love how goofy they are i love the fucking lines they say you know senna saying i'm the girl with the gall you've got fucking uni talking about lands wanting something a bit meatier like these fucking memes it's so good uni's an incredible character so fucking funny but also has like these deep emotional moments as well um every every member in the car stands out and the relationship they build between noah and mio especially is just phenomenal i cannot say enough good things about xenoblade 3 i am extremely excited for what they do in terms of dlc because i think there's a lot of ways they can go um and i think it just hits heights that nintendo games never do because nintendo games don't prioritize narrative in any way uh, and i'm so glad that monolith soft exists to do that for them because they really are leading the pack here when it comes to like the top tier of rpgs uh it, it ticks off everything on my list and uh is a stunning achievement and i yeah i think it I think it should be number one, but it's not going to be because I think we've decided that, uh, you know, we, I can't put something at number one that you haven't played. Uh, and, uh, yeah. We, we did, did one time ago. I think it was Fire yeah, Emblem we Fates did. Conquest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but that was a much weaker yeah. year, you know, and I think it was only a top five. I mean, the gaming scene and the, the games that we're playing since 2015 has like, changed so much, hasn't dramatic it? So, change, yeah. Dramatic change, dramatic. And, um, um, yeah. Uh, okay look away i'm about to put your nick at the moment oh my god all right i'll take it i can deal, i can deal with it it's okay it's okay it's fine i can i can handle xenoblade being number two you know like i think the fact that the fact that it is number two speaks to uh how much i love this game because i don't think a game that i've played and you have no interest in playing would ever make it this high if it wasn't for that kind of no, overwhelming and i don't want to try and push love. for other games above it i think yeah. it, i need to respect it's a it's know, a rare it's exception a big, you know it's it's rare deal. that it happens but i think it's for me i think it's worth doing so i think we have a ordered top 10 list are we happy with the order are we, are we are how do you set? feel about how do you feel about splatoon 3 because I, I don't know is a triangle strategy I, 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 I think splatoon, i think splatoon 3 is fine where it is but um, um if you really want to push we can talk about i don't it. i don't okay. care that much yeah i think you know i think splatoon we, 3 single player is like the nintendo juice it really is you know, it's, it's really good that's the that's the the beauty of it uh-huh and I want to play more of the holiday. I'm definitely going to jump in and play some more Splatoon 3 over the holiday. Yeah, and maybe I, we can uh, do some with the community as well, because doing that with Mario Kart is great fun. Totally. I should mention that Overwatch 2 just kind of dominated my life and oh, true. definitely yeah. ate into a lot of Splatoon 3 multiplayer time. But um, yes. that's not to say I don't still love Splatoon 3 multiplayer. It's awesome. Multiplayer. Yeah, it's really good. 
Okay, uh, Bally, do you want to count down from 10 right. to 1 we go. on the list? Number 10 is Bayonetta 3. Number 9, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Number 8, Triangle Strategy. Number 7, Splatoon 3. Number 6, Tinykin. Number 5, Oli Oli World. Number 4, Cuphead the Delicious Last Course. Number 3, Citizen Sleeper. Number 2, Xenoblade 3. And number 1, Tunic hell of a list i don't want anyone coming in here saying it was a bad year for video games what the <laughs> fuck are you smoking what is wrong with you uh excellent year and so many that man looking at the stuff that didn't make it onto the list it's like god there's so many great games that didn't make yeah. it. yeah um yeah which is a testament i think to to how good it's been i think it's been a really good year for nintendo particularly right like they've just had lots of games coming out and you know a lot of people might not rank them as the top tier because those people only like mario and zelda but you know uh i, I think that they've delivered here they have really the, the, the you people know, only like mario and zelda were all clamoring for kirby and I that's think true yeah someone who didn't know about our podcast coming to see our list knowing we're a nintendo podcast would be shocked that kirby didn't make the top 10 i think so yeah i think um, so and um, probably like pokemon and right uh, mario yeah. plus rabbits you know but i think yeah. that's the the strength of this show is i think we really do shine a lot more light on indies that, that yeah for sure so many other game of the year lists just seem to forget or they end up lower down the list and i think it's important that you know we want to judge all games on nintendo platforms not just the first party i think probably majority of our lists are indie games at number one maybe like we might have to go back and check it's, that but yeah, um it's, it's a lot right I, so the last few years i want to say the last year was eastward yeah so that's of course. a good example yeah and, and then the year, year before, before that, that was Ori, Will followed by Hades, but Hades very well could have been number one as well. Right. Um, and then I think Luigi's Mansion was there before that, Luigi's right? Luigi's Mansion so, was 2019. Uh, 2018 um, was Celeste, of course. 2018 was Celeste. And good 2017, example. Breath of the Wild, right? Yep. Um, so, yeah, if you keep going back, I think you can keep going back. I think 2016 was Fire Emblem Fates Conquest, and then you kind of go right. back from there. But right. since around 2017, we have more indies as our game of the year than yeah. first-party Nintendo games, which... Um, yeah yeah i think uh hades came very close to number one as did metroid dread both of those yes, decisions yes. were incredibly tight really hard yeah. um really close stuff and then yeah i think 2019 with luigi's mansion that was just like it just felt right i don't mm -hmm. yeah it, I, I think we had very personalized lists yeah. coming together on that because you were into war like groove and and i was into bloodstained and neither of those right. were kind of like coalescing yeah. so exactly but again yeah. all indies barring luigi obviously but yeah yeah uh, and yeah i i if you haven't played citizen sleeper that's the one thing from this list if you have not played citizen sleeper please play that game it is so so yeah. good and i really want more people to play it i think it was another game that kind of got swept under the elden ring rug <laughs> where yeah elden ring came out and then that was all my podcast talked about for uh -huh. like a couple of months and <laughs> yeah, i think exactly again a, tunic is a very good example of a game that got a little bit missed because of elden ring so yeah tunic mm -hmm. and citizen sleeper i think i played very close together and both of those in the under the shadow of the elden of elden ring uh -huh. you know in that time of year so would recommend both massively look if you like elden ring you should play tunic because yes, it does a lot of it same is literally yeah. zelda elden ring uh -huh. it's like tunic zelda ring indeed zelda <laughs> there we go <laughs> so, uh amazing what a great list uh what a great year um yeah really really good stuff and um i've got a question though yes bally 
did our listeners match our list now let's take a look shall we uh so uh, i have calculated tabulated uh, a top five from our listeners and this is basically i sent out a form i said put in your top five games and i will give them points based on what your number one is number two so it goes five points for number one four for number two and, and so on until you get to number five where you get one point for a number five pick and um you didn't have to put all the uh, slots filled you could do three or whatever um but I've, I've tabulated everything up and i've calculated um and let me tell you bally that our number one game is almost double the points of our number two game wow okay um, so yeah. it's, it's a big big margin so at uh, number five splatoon three congratulations well done splatoon three for making it well and a lot splatoon of people three. play splatoon three at number four triangle strategy in wow. number four which is very That's a strong very impressive showing from triangle strategy. yeah obviously very we impressive. have a lot of uh fire emblem fans yep. in the community so i yep. think that makes sense uh definitely is uh you know if you're into that game i think that triangle strategy will do well for you and number three pokemon scarlet and violet and number mm. three so uh it's doing pretty well there uh def- definitely expected um at number two pokemon legends arceus at number two wow. uh, so which means that number one by an absolute bullet and i am so proud of this community <laughs> for, for making the correct choice xenoblade chronicles 3 with almost double the points the people wow. who voted for xenoblade i think almost universally put it as their number one game it right. was like it was funny looking at the graph because you had like little little uh, gaps for like someone put like neon white and someone put like kirby at number one and then xenoblade is like this tower just towering above it was like yeah. multiple multiple people had it at number one i think a couple of people had it at number two but it was just like overwhelmingly the choice uh, to be the number one game Interesting. Um, so thanks everybody interesting for... kirby didn't get up there as well so yeah you know. kirby probably comes in around number six i think okay. um so it's a little bit further but i'll i'll try and post the full kind of ranked list um onto discord after cool. this show goes out and so people can take a look but yeah. um yeah thanks everybody for voting and for uh, chiming in there and uh yeah well done for making the correct choice you're all you're all smart people um so that's good good to see um awesome well I think, Bally, that's probably going to wrap us up for the show. It's another um, year of podcasting. Another year of podcasting wow. gone. Um, and, uh, yeah, we obviously have to get out of here and plug stuff and let people know what's going on. Um, I think we have a little bit of plans for some bonus episodes coming on the feed, but that's basically going to be audio versions of our personal top 10 lists, I would imagine, yes. right? Um, so that's what we've done the last couple of years. We both make a video for our top 10 overcross all platforms game of the year stuff, and um, and we will probably post the audio from those videos i would imagine probably one on christmas day one on new year's day um i think that's probably the best way to do it i think yeah. we've done that before so you'll so. get two christmas presents not yeah exactly yeah. exactly so um look out for those in your feed i will be starting work on mine quite soon and starting the editing process and all that stuff writing i need to start writing it of course um but uh, yeah look out for uh, some 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 fun lists there from both of us and um we have some fine folks obviously who support the show over on patreon.com slash this nintendo life and we would like to thank those people for supporting us bally yes thank you to our, a new patron that we have and jeffrey c thank you so much for your support but thank you also to our 10 dollar patrons they are zach s thomas matthew albert and wicked gamer uk alan thank you for your support and thank you to all of our patrons and not just for the last two weeks but for the whole year because it has been a whole year of patreon and we hugely appreciate the support you give the show to keep us keep the show on the road you mm-hmm. know cover cover the costs of a lot of these video games that we like to talk about absolutely 
been very very good and uh, appreciate everybody jumping in um and yeah of course if you want to hear our not nintendo game of the year stuff that is already up on the patreon feed so hop in uh, for a dollar and you can listen to that show uh, where we would talk about uh, the aforementioned elden ring uh, uh, as well as other such games so uh, go listen to that uh, you can also find us on the internet in various places still on twitter somehow at lord nbz you can find me there where can they find you bally i'm on twitter at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 fantastic and you can also find the podcast on twitter at tnl podcast and i'm sure that will be retweeting our videos when we put those up and other such things as well and i'll probably post um post the list of the top uh, listener picks as well uh, on that feed at some point so yeah go check that out uh, obviously you can join our discord which is a fun community as many people mentioned in their uh, emails in today which is great um, and you can chat with people there a lot of pokemon chat was going on and you know a lot of chat around certain other things like the game awards happening uh, always a fun community so you can jump in and check it out as well as our youtube channel where if you want a youtube version of the show you can always go over there and check that out too and um, you can find us on various uh, podcasting platforms such as spotify and stitcher you can also download us in any podcasting app that you have um if you uh if you've got your spotify rap shout that out uh, and let us know because uh, we saw a few of those as well as i think pocket cast does its own kind of ranking also which oh. bally and i Did have you listen um, to a lot of podcasts this year oh i don't know maybe a quarter of my life uh <laughs> yeah just a little uh so yeah bally and i have some scary numbers in terms of our listening i don't even want to uh, say them on the no show. I, th- I think it is actually um, terrifying. we might put that out on patreon sometime sure yeah yeah absolutely so uh yeah go and check that stuff out and obviously you can subscribe to the show and you'll get it every couple of weeks when it does uh release um but i think that is pretty much it mbz i should say you know when when you found out bally jr was coming into this world Mm -hmm. i think i think we were both confident the podcast would you know we'd do okay yeah um i think that i have been very pleased and impressed with us and especially you Mm -hmm. when in keeping this show on the road because my time has become a lot more precious yeah it's definitely harder let's say to yeah, figure out times to record even stuff. if we could figure figured out the times i was nervous about actually even playing games to talk about on the show which is yeah, obviously totally. a huge part of the show and mm-hmm. i think combined with me finding time to play the games but also you finding the time to like mm-hmm. be very patient with sure. me when i'm like right MBZ, now we've, we're visiting family, we're doing this. Uh-huh. And then because everything becomes a lot more rigid when you have a yes. baby. And I think I appreciate your flexibility in recording with yeah. me and um, keeping the show on the road for 2022 when for a, we're a small podcast you know, yeah like two totally. people like one one of the, one host having a baby is quite a big deal mm-hmm. so for sure. i'm glad that it's we've managed to keep the show on the road and hopefully into 2023 we can just keep keep trucking along yeah for sure and you know i know things will get easier eventually um, yes it's uh you know it's, it's your it's your first time doing this of course uh and uh i i totally i don't know when when, yeah. when when you said you had um, friends who also had children who their video game playing had just completely halted, mm-hmm. I thought, like, well, I must be doing something right. There we go, right. Here yeah, go. exactly. You've, you've figured it out, you know. You found found a way to do it. And, um, yeah, look, I mean, bef- before... Uh, when we first started i think you were finishing about 30 games a year and now you're doing it with a child so i think <laughs> yeah, that says exactly. like a huge amount um, yeah, honestly yeah. so um yeah no props props you for for being able to figure that out and uh yeah we'll uh we'll we'll make sure we can keep figuring this out yeah. as we go along and you know i'm sure there'll be bumps in the road here and there yes, and yes. After, i'm gonna be in japan next year for three <gasps> weeks so we have to figure out what to do then Very exciting. um so so yeah i'm sure it'll be It'll be good. And shout uh, out to my wife Caroline who looks after Bally yes. Junior while I'm recording. Yep. 
most weekends. She's so. the appreciated. Yeah, yes. She's she puts in her shift for sure. For sure, for sure. Uh well, that's going to close us out for the year. Thank you so much everybody for tuning in for us, for listening, uh for being fantastic. Uh we really do appreciate you and you know, if, if listeners weren't here, we wouldn't be here making it. So you you all make this happen. And uh yeah, we will see you in the new year uh for another year of video games and Nintendo what and a, a sequel. A sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Fucking Wild. Let's go everybody. Let's go. Uh very excited for that. Kingdom so, um, of Tears. Let's go. Kingdom <laughs> <laughs> kingdom of those get crying baby get those tears out uh yeah shout out to xenoblade 3 as well for literally making me cry which has never happened in a video game before so um big big shout outs uh and uh yeah we'll we'll see you in the new year until then thanks everybody for listening Bye bye interludes used on today's show were Maple Treeway from Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Triple Dip from Splatoon 3, and The Weight of Life from Xenoblade Chronicles 3, all copyright Nintendo 2022.